night. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. It is a Thursday evening. It's the final day of January 2022. These months just drip by like weeks. The weeks are non-existent. They're practically hours at this point. And uh, and we're here hanging out. It's a wonderful night. I'm welcoming back to the studio again. Rob, how you feeling? I'm doing good. How are you? Uh, fresh off your uh, appearance on the uh, Ian show. On the Ian show. It was great. Yeah. I had a fun time down there. This is a nice drive. It was a nice... Uh, Nice on-air experience. It looked like a lot of people enjoyed themselves, and we did very well, for sure. So I appreciate. It. I, I hope. I hope I made it palatable for you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I've seen that show f- before. That's the first time longer than five minutes that I've seen the show. I watched the whole thing, so I appreciate that. Wow. Well, I was, you know, I figured it's like when I watched the Yankees or the Rangers. Like, all right, they might need me. Even though I'm sitting on my couch, exactly. they might need me. I might have to send some energy, but none required. Uh, you know, within the first three minutes, I was like, "All right, Frank's on point. Let me just dissect this. What's going on here instead? What's the, what are, what's the power dynamic in the room like? Uh, again, I to me, it's the Ian show because, uh, well, whatever. I, I just thought that he came across as as genuine, as a genuine person, and and, and I like that. Like. And, and the girl, too, like, I know you said something, it was something funny, I forgot what it was, but you said something funny, and you could hear her laugh, and so those type of things is, is to me, better, you know what I mean? Right. Um, so that's, that's what I, I, I took away from it. Um, everything else, I mean, you know, when, I'm, like, like, that, I, like, I joke, oh, the Ian show, because I don't, I don't think it's right to disrespect people, um, and it seems like that audience gives that guy some shit. I, I noticed some of that. You know what I mean? And it's like, okay, you might not agree or you might not think he's up to whatever it is. But like, but that comes from the top is the way I saw it. Uh, you know, you know? Yeah. So I, I didn't, I didn't, like I said, I, I thought that he, for he seemed to be a genuine person. I think you should have him on this show. I'm going to, I'm going to get in touch with him, see if he wants to come on. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if he's ever in the New York area to have him in here. That would be cool. Yeah, I'll tell him to come on on Thursday. um, And then everything else as far as what the power dynamic. I mean, I think uh, when you were there, you changed the dynamic tremendously because uh, you were able to bring a knowledge, which personally, again, I've seen the show for a while, for a couple of times. But again, it doesn't resonate with me. No disrespect. It just doesn't. Um, And so your level of knowledge that you brought to the table was... A little bit more but in, and, and I don't know how much that was embraced you know as opposed to whatever but the other aspect is just and this was something I never thought about but until I started coming on your show and I think people who are trained in this sort of thing obviously can see um, but you understand the technical aspects of putting on a show like speaking at different you know what i mean like because that's tough like uh, you know like how many different people were there and they talk over and this and that yeah but you understand how to like the craft you know you know like i i didn't see a craft i saw more you know i don't know sometimes things are too much too soon but i think you've paid so much dues and you come from a background of of this sort of thing where 
it, it's so apparent to me. So, you know, on, on both levels, like just straight up, like, what do you know? Well, anybody can know anything. You just got to read about it. I mean, that's not too hard. Yeah. Right. But how you could make that fit into a, a flow of things. You know, I, it, I don't know. I was so, certain things boggled my mind. I, I'm uh, <laughs> to be I, honest, uh, really appreciative when people see st stuff like that. It's never really bad, uh, and, and you don't. I don't put together shows so that somebody, so that people will analyze how the show is constructed. It really is just how do you create a cohesive experience for someone. Yeah. But every once in a while, when 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 you when you or somebody like that will um, will notice there is a uh, yeah, there is a, a, a certain type of. Yeah, well, I, I don't Chemical. know if I don't think I would have noticed that without having been on your sh show, but like like Krista went to school for journalism and production and she worked on that. So she understands that, too. And so she will mention to me like that sort of thing. And But now I have experience in this and, and I'm just like, what are you doing, my man? You know, you know what I mean? You, <laughs> what are you doing? But I, I mean, uh, people vote with their wallet. Right. So right. how can you how can you say anything other than that at the end of the day? You know, good on good on that. To me, the Ian show is not so bad, though. I I think that um, I I, I respect genuineness, right? You know what I mean. So I he, to me, he seemed like he yeah. like that's somebody who'd be like, oh, you should have him on, because he seemed like you know you could like uh, have convers whatever it is. It doesn't matter, but like you know, be he's, true well, to he's you know what it is he's uh, he's a very curious guy. I mean, I I I really enjoyed the whole all the staff, everybody there. They were very accommodating and they were really nice and I had a wonderful time talking with them all. But since we were talking about Ian in particular, mm -hmm. he's he's very he's a very curious guy. And I think yeah. that his curiosity needs to be that's what I mean. It, like, it, there's it, something it needs to be stimulated a little bit more. It shouldn't be used as I mean unless that's in the contract. Like you're the butt like you're the jester like that's how i don't know maybe that's what it is i don't think that's what's happening no no, no. <laughs> right but um i i think that there's things that are far more interesting like like i said anybody can know anything there's nothing that's that's that hidden these days right mm -hmm. you could learn so whatever it's more about people and uh you know i would rather somebody be genuine than a douchebag. Oh, it, just it, call. I mean, call me crazy. No, I understand you. I, I understand, and, uh, and I, I, I saw some of the. I see some of the ragging that goes on too. And no, but that com like I'm saying, that's that stage is set. You know, I mean, that's got to be tougher. Like the guy. I mean, look, I'm sure he's doing well, so okay. But like, you go on there and your own audience clowns you like that. Like, what the f what? what? You know, I mean, and look, it's the internet. It's the nature of the it's internet. It's the internet. It's Fine. just what it is. Okay, you, I get that. But better better to, to, to be judged by the internet and whatever on your merits than have subtle positioning. You know, you know what I mean? Like, cause like, to well, me, it just that it was so obvious. To your point before, maybe, maybe that there is a little bit more of that uh, that actually exists for the everyday viewer. You know, if it was just one night that you watched yeah, it all the way again. through, it, it could just be that. He, yeah, I, I guess so. Because I'm, I'm sure that he's, he's embraced more than he's clowned on, and even those who clown, uh, it, sometimes that just becomes part of the show. Oh, this is the, you know, oh, you can always expect that kind of a take from this guy or that guy, and. 
Maybe it just becomes part know, of the is. normalcy of the experience. I don't know. The chat goes so fast that it's impossible to like even like see anything. But like I'm looking at the thing. I'm watching the show. I'm looking at that thing, and it's just like, like you know, it's, <laughs> it's something like FM fire him. This it's like. I mean, I know we've had some rough, good man. nights. We've had some good nights on this show over over the years, especially when uh, the internet was uh, slightly more. Um, generous place, yeah, well, but yeah. But it was it was it was it was something else. So every time you just you know glance over at the television to see forty thousand people watching, yeah, that's that was you know I'm like damn, you know I I keep that as in my imagination every night just to to keep the energy. Uh, well, yeah, I think that, and I think it was very good for you to do the show, and I think that if. Like I said, you have a technical understanding of how the production should work. Let alone with just the, the stuff that you got going on, the people that you guys got with the making the video, everything. Yeah. There's, there's a different level. And the, I, always say, okay. I always said it's time to go to break. Let's go to break and <laughs> right, we'll be right, right back. Right. <laughs> but that's what I mean. Like you understand <laughs> different aspects of it and, and instead of just, you know, just ego tripping. So I, I and look, you got an ego. You sit here and you talk, right? But that's it's totally different though, bro. Like you you got you got a much better way about you. And you were able to you're able to intermix knowledge and humor and all of these things. And I, to me I could put my bias Of course I'm I'm sitting here right now. What do I think is better, right? Yes. Objectively speaking. Well, I appreciate it. Objectively I'm speaking, like Come on, internet! I, you guys don't. What, what are you doing? Well, watch. Well, what are you, why aren't you here? We'll see. Why we're, aren't you here? What are you doing? I guess we're just on two different paths. Um, and, and I'm also, also, it's uh, what I do to to expand the show is, I you, I also have to give a lot of um, a lot of credit to to Tim over the years too. He's the one that got out on the road, went to places, brought a camera where there were no cameras. Yeah, I mean, Murray told it, me about him back in the Occupy days. Like, he was showing me his stream, right? Yeah. So, absolutely. That's absolutely. How. He went out and, and made it happen. For sure. Right? So, so, but, but you, you know, by that, and large, was, that was a decade ago. Right. But but it, that was the foundation for, you know, how, how do you cap once you Once you build that up that That was the foundation audience. for a name, sure. Yeah. But I'm saying, like, a craft is different. I think you have uh, all the components and, and the ability to hone the craft. That's what you do. I mean, you were sitting here doing the show. You were doing introductions. You were doing breaks. You were doing all these various things when there was, you know, you had less than 300 subscribers. You had, you know what I mean? Like, and you were doing a show. So I, I think that that work will pay off. I appreciate it. And I think it. that people will uh, resonate with it. Like I was saying, it's, it's, it's people. Like, I mean, and not for nothing. I mean, like, well, you know, there wasn't any, like, revelations <laughs> going on. You know what I mean? It was like, we're talking at what? What are we talking about? Yeah. I, I want and, and he probably, and he obviously, he's got a different audience than you. I think there's probably m much more of a... You know, different different thing because everything's so polarized now. So if you can target the bigger chunk in the middle, maybe. But um, the problem is, is there's no separation between um, you know your your every, your view of everything now. Everything is just like thrown together. Like it's like there's it a very huge 
Well, that's why I thought that the best thing, the best thing for me to do if I was going to be a guest and bring something to, to the table is just to stay focused on, on, on bigger picture and, uh, <laughs> and, and, just, yeah. and just add a little bit of that. And, you know, th- I got a Freemason reference in oh, you there. You got a Freemason <laughs> reference in there. Yeah. Um, what else was in there? Oh, like the, the, the possible uh, switching out of uh, Ghislaine. Yeah, from yeah. Uh, from not really existing. Like, well, we've it, only seen a sketch, right? Isn't, <laughs> that, isn't that fun? Right, know, right. That's a little bit more fun than just. No, that's. Not, I don't think that's what's happening. All right, well, you know. Perhaps it is. First of all, what do you think about the different the disparity between her twenty years and R. Kelly's thirty years? <laughs> exactly. What do I think? Oh um, my gosh. What do I think? What a. I, s- <laughs> like, I mean, he deserves jail time. Absolutely. Yeah. But we're talking about. You know, I, I mean, like they like the was scale. brought up on the show. You know what I mean? Guilty of trafficking to whom? To whom? Right? <laughs> Absolutely, that's true. And uh, oh, I got to drop insane. Alex Acosta's name. You did, no, I, dude. It was like people were like they're thinking of the guy from the from the news. You know what I mean? Like oh no, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? like like the boy's name Brian Acosta, right? Jim, You're Jim, whatever. You're gonna Fat Jim. Yeah, I know. Not so slim. See, Jim. that was what I mean. Like. It was once I was I was watching. Once it was like Frank's got this. Like he's on point tonight. Like okay. Then it, the the thing be- became all right. Let me just see how the like you know like it's almost like for me when I was in school. If I liked a subject, I I did well. If I if I was like nah, forget it. It was like I was gonna. I, I, you know, I was gonna like <laughs> figure something else to do to like entertain myself. So I was much more in, involved with, okay, what is this dynamic here and why? Like, this is a big show, and it, and it was it was it was good for you to be on there, and it was um, gracious to even invite you on the show. I was very, sure. So I'm yeah. not trying to try I'm, anything. Like, it really was. Like, that's something. Um, but yeah, <laughs> looking around, people are just like in, the, in that moment, like. What is this guy like? Like, Ian? like everybody. Like it was almost like, like they were almost like, oh, you're gonna screw yourself up. Like you don't even know what you're t- like, because you were talking about things that just didn't even know. You know what I mean? It's with the Acosta thing. Oh yeah, you know, oh, yeah, like yeah. that wasn't even like a real. Th- I mean, but that's what I'm talking about. It's huge. I mean, we can talk about uh, whatever the hell you want, but the bigger stories are the ones that were not. We were these were th- little things that happened in press conferences, right? Obscure press conferences that nobody even remembers, right? And uh, about how higher intelligence. Entities stopped yeah. him in his pr- previous job that had to do with uh, the Operation Leap Year, which is right. the, the, the most encompassing Jeffrey Epstein yeah. investigation there was. I mean, that, it's everything you need to know to even infer yeah. what this was really about. One thing is, I, I know you, you were saying how you think uh, Ghislaine was his handler, and, and we've talked about that. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the deal was. I think that did you see that there's like a Ghislaine miniseries going on right now? And I and I caught like uh, one little part of it, right? And of course, you know, it's it's produced by, I don't even know what channel it was on. It's like Stars or something like that. So, you know, this is mass media yeah. shaping of who this person is, right? But it does go into the, the and we know who the father is, right? I mean, the, this guy, I mean... They even said, and they show, like, at the end, you know what I mean? His casket being put in the thing, the guys with the curly cues, and they're like, you you know, and they said that, like, this is one of the biggest assets to Mossad, and, like, so, 
okay, what was her role? What was her thing? Like, who who was she? She was groomed, I think, to be that socialite because they have uh again i only seen one episode i don't know how many it's going to be but they have it where it's like they're going to oxford right like so like her early 80s and who she was as a person and they're, and they're asking people and, and she's definitely mover and shaker she's definitely somebody that's bringing people in and moving them around and introducing and and you know they're all getting wasted she's, all... The, she's the arm candy yeah yeah she was like the yeah i mean I, just, I, mean, I can't say that about her, just knowing the diabolical nature. But yes, so yeah. Like. Well, it, it's not that doesn't take away from what she actually was doing. But but of course the disparity, the, the contrast between her socialite, very attractive, voluptuous form to what she was doing, and then of course the, the I think the, the most ridiculous thing about the whole um, mainstream narrative is that she was provide she was pro the sole provider uh, and uh, and supplier of. J Jeffrey's urges, like she existed just to provide him with girls. It's so well, ridiculous. I mean, it, it was she existed to continue what it seems like that was a generational thing that was going on. Yeah. And if you don't think that this is a blackmail operation, I mean, and and I think that you know the father certainly was. It seems like the father because she was. I mean, that yacht was named after her. That they that he fell off the yacht. He fell off the yacht and died, right? That's what happened? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Right? It was some kind of a drowning. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the Canary Islands. Well, it's... Uh... I think that there's... I think that there's... Mo I think the layers of who's handling who, well, we don't even know. These are, these are whatever. But they were a part of the web for sure. Oh, absolutely. You and, know? And, and just And just to... To make to plug that into what I said before about the whole Alex Acosta situation, uh, when you have a higher up entity coming down to tell you nix it, I'm not <laughs> saying that that's the highest entity. Right, you right. Know, the intelligence communities are just a that's just another la layer in the shielding. So who the who right. the fuck knows? It could have but, been the King Lizard himself. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't know. Ghislaine seemed to be more like a uh, like. Remember, like if you would like go out in the city and like you know someone comes up and hands you the. Uh, the stuff, you know, the promoters. You yep. take my card and like, it's like all right. She was kind of like that for the elite and to set up certain scenarios. And well, this, hey, I don't know. Um, before we go into our uh, our opening, I wanted to say two quicks. We haven't started yet. No, yeah, I know. Uh, well, because I want to do something in particular for our guest tonight, Dr. Sean Morton. Uh, Sean Morton, is, uh, David Morton. Sean David Morton. He's joining us. He's got a long, long history in the uh, in the public eye for for decades now when it comes to paranormal time travel remote viewing UFOs he was a he was a, a frequent frequent guest on Art Bell's dreamland and all iterations of his time with coast to coast and all that um, so it's gonna be an interesting night indeed but um, real quick you heard that the last World War II Medal of Honor recipient died yes 98 years old just want to put his name out. Herschel Woody Williams died at 98 years old. They're all gone. Um, and, then, uh, and then another one, Dr. Zelenko, died. That I saw today. This man saved thousands of lives. Um, yeah. He needs to be properly remembered. Um, just and and I think uh, I think he was he was most effective in his humble approach to everything. 
And as I said before, it was not only just that he came in as a local doctor from Monroe. Right. You know, to, to talk about this and actually got through to a president of the United States and then started trickling out to the um, to the public about what they can do for a completely treatable yeah. uh, bug that was blown up to destroy the world. Yeah. Um, but it was more so he became even more valuable in the last couple of years where he was a very concise speaker on the greater nature of the metaphysical battle that we're in. Absolutely. You you and Tracy had him on, correct? Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. And uh you know obviously I'd seen a, a lot of things that that he did and um he absolutely uh put it out there and uh you know it, it's a shame and I believe did it say he was only 48 years 49. old? 49. 49. 49 years old. I thought he was in his 50s at least. Well, I mean, that's a <laughs> four months difference, Frank. I, well, but, I mean, you know, like I'm yeah, talking like I'm talking about like fifty six, seven, around there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He should have. Uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, whatever. It's uh, he he did a a great thing and, and should be remembered for at least having the courage to to stand up uh, in this insanity that we are uh, we are dealing with. New media will not forget them. And we will be right back, ladies and gentlemen. Don't go anywhere. It's going to be a great night. It already is. Right after the break, we're going to interview Eric Weihenmayer, who climbed the highest mountain in the world, Mount Everest. But he's gay. I mean, he's gay. Excuse me. He's blind. So we'll hear about that coming okay. up. Okay. As we head to the break, a look at the 6 o'clock. You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! Yes, we are here. We are here, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to, quite frankly, the official opening. Not the pre-show. Now it's the official. Remember, share the show live or on demand with everybody you know. If you're watching live, please get it out. Get it out there. That is the best way to help grow the audience and to uh, maintain the audience so nobody forgets. They're very easy to forget. The internet is a hypnotizing, confusing place. <laughs> but uh, I also want to remind you that you can contribute to tonight's uh, broadcast uh, through your words and through your contribution, your monetary contribution, to, uh, quite frankly, superchat.com. That's how we do it, because we don't have superchats on YouTube. <laughs> You're not rolling those 10 Gs a night, huh? Not rolling those. <laughs> that was just, like, uh, mind-numbing, but... Ah. That's what we got. It's so good to in here. But before we go any further, 
I want to jump in on what we have coming up tonight, and, and that is our guest. But before we do that, something that will set the table for it, here are two very notable news stories because we're going to be talking about prophecy. And as you know, on this show, we have done prophecy in the last, uh, I think it was, in, it was in the spring when me and Rob on a Thursday night specifically focused on Russia-related prophecy. Russia, Russia, Russia. Yes. Well, a couple things happened in the last 24 hours I should add to the momentum that we were, we were hinting at. Number one from Yahoo, expanding NATO squares up to Russia as Putin slams imperial alliance. This is in reference to uh, Finland. Finland. And, uh, a, and Sweden as and well. And Sweden, that's right. United States vowed Wednesday to reinforce Europe's defenses in wake of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Um, it's actually a counter-strike, if you want to be honest. It was initially mm-hmm. NATO's invasion. Uh, and declared Moscow's West's greatest... And Moscow declared the West's greatest thre- uh, threat, prompting Vladimir Putin to lash out at alliances of imperial ambitions. Very nice. Meeting in Madrid, NATO leaders said Russia is the most significant direct threat to allies, security, and peace and stability in the Euro-Atlantic area. This came at NATO welcomed Sweden and Finland as invitees to join the alliance, and U.S. President Joe Biden announced new deployment of U.S. troops, ships, and planes. Uh, Here's the other thing I want to bring up. This is from Zero Hedge. Biden announces... Permanent U.S. base in Poland, America's first on NATO's eastern flank, which we had once promised under 1997 NATO-Russia Founding Act. NATO agreed not to establish a permanent military presence east of Germany. Uh, I would like to remind you all that when me and Rob were going through Edgar Casey and Baba Vanga and Fatima and all that stuff, just remember that Baba Vanga predicted that everything... Poland, Romania, up to Germany would be just torched, incinerated. Um, well, we don't want that. No, we don't. But uh, it, you can see you can see the the further poking and prodding, and of course the almost infinite patience from the other side. What does Switzerland feel about this? That's I, what I want to know. They're hosting all of the the greatest. Summits and <laughs> the, yeah. the dark empire. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm familiar. Yeah, the dark Who empire else is over there in, in Switzerland. The dark empire loves we, to we go got, to the yeah. neutral, the neutral nation to talk about <laughs> how they're going to take over the rest oh, of the world. God. Your show could be ruined in about eleven seconds 11 if, I wa- if I wanted to <laughs> shut it down. Oh yeah, <laughs> I should have tried. <laughs> My God, let's just all shut it down. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, well, well, but so this is what a little bit of what I want to talk about tonight with our guest. Dr. Sean David Morton. And now, here's a little bit on him. Stunning predictions of future events in his books, and his lectures, and his monthly, monthly Delphi Associates newsletter. They have brought him recognition as one of America's premier futurists and researchers. He was also a, a mainstay and a really a big um, attraction at all of those um, UFO paranormal uh, conferences and, and uh, summits. Rob, you and I were talking about that um, before the show started. Mm-hmm. 
Sean is also a remote viewer. He has been the director of the Prophecy Research Institute since 1992. His book trilogy, Sands of Time, is an epic story spanning over 40 years in the life of the character, main character, Dr. Ted Humphrey, and his involvement with Area 51, the Dulce Mesa Wars, the, uh, the Montauk Project, Black Ops, the Shadow Government, and his meteoric rise to become head of an all-powerful global organization engaged in a desperate and above-top-secret race against time to save our world. Uh, Morton is also an award-winning independent filmmaker and has been a reporter, writer, producer, director for Strange Universe, Hard Copy. Remember that? I do. Man, I remember a hard copy. I remember current affairs. A current affair. A current affair. I could still hear that. Uh, wow. Yeah, exactly. The effect. Uh, one those ones that are like burned into your mind. I know. Like Pavlov's dogs or whatever. <laughs> that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he also was a writer or projector on sightings. The Geraldo Rivera's Now It Can Be Told show. Uh, he has written, produced, and or appeared on Conspiracy Zone with Kevin Nealon, Best Kept Secrets, Destination Earth, Ancient Aliens, Magic and Marials, uh, Mir Miracles, The Other Side, Paranormal Borderline, Montel Williams, <laughs> uh, and was a fan favorite for 18 years on Coast to Coast. Get this, Rob. Art Bell once called Sean's, uh, Sean America's prophet and frighteningly accurate. Wow. And, and, and actually, I was, I was able to listen to one of his appearances on Art's show back in 1995. I have it set aside for a, quite frankly, TV rebroadcast uh, night. Oh, cool. Yeah, so there's that going on. And um, where we go is nobody's... Uh, is the, who knows? I have, I have notes here, but we also have a limited time. Mm -hmm. And in the second half, our last badass of this month of this year, I think you're really going to like him. Okay. Yeah. Good. No, it's not a Chinese female pirate this time. <laughs> I I didn't dislike that one. I just didn't understand that there was like a picture. It was born in the 1700s. Yeah, well. It should have been, I would think, a drawing. Technically, we have a picture of, of, of uh, Andrew Jackson. He was not a Chinese female pirate, though. He was an advanced age. Yeah. When was that taken? Old Hickory. Himself. When was Old Hickory taken? When was that picture? Uh, first photo of Andrew Jackson year. Let's see what the year is. Okay, so the first and only Andrew Jackson photo. This is from 1845. So let me get him up here, Old Hickory. Oh, that's not good. Oh, here we go. This is 1845. <laughs> he just looks bewildered. Yeah, no, he's he looks like he's... He's about to ready to check out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you I read mean about his story and everything. Like, I mean, you want to talk about badass? I was just gonna say you could have put him as a badass. We'll for do real. it. I'll definitely do it next year. We we talked about also the. Um, I think it was one night I did a I did a deep dive on the mathematical almost impossibility of him surviving that assassination attempt where the gun mm -hmm. jammed twice. Yeah. Or two guns jammed, <laughs> and then he was able to actually beat yeah. his his uh, assassin down with a cane. Yeah, hence, <laughs> hence the name, <laughs> Old Hickory. Yeah, <laughs> just the yeah, definitely badass dude. And definitely stood up for. Uh, you know, I don't think he would uh, enjoy too much uh, the. Uh, not that I think he should be removed from the twenty dollar bill. I mean, nobody knows anything anyway. But sure, if you showed uh, showed Old Hickory the twenty dollar bill. 
with all its various things on there. What is this? It's, I think Reserve it's just, note. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, I don't think he would be too. That's late. just the iron. I think it's just ironic that he's on the uh, the note there because of how instrumental he was in killing the, the, the one of the worst things that could happen to a country, and that is the uh, the, the central banking system that right. was introduced. Anyway. Wow. Our uh, our guest for the evening is arriving. So, without further ado, I want to uh, bring on Dr. Sean David Morton. How are you, sir? I don't hear you yet, but don't worry. I know that you're on your way. Mr. Morton, are you there? I see him. He sees me. Hold on one second. I was just praising your <laughs> technical ability this on putting on this. Unfor unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, I do not control this. <laughs> with with Zoom, there's a little bit of a give and take. But don't yeah. worry, I'm sure I'm, he's done this before, so we're uh, we're about <laughs> we're about ready to go. I can also put on I can also put on the uh, the syncopated clock. You want to talk about technical ability? Hmm. <laughs> Sean David Morton, you there? Oh, wait, wait, I, I don't hear you. I, I hear you very faintly. One, two, testing. Can you hear me? Oh, yes, but you're going to have to put your, your thing up real high. How about now? Uh, a little bit higher, please. Higher than that? Yeah, well, that sounds a little bit better. There you go. All right. Okay, so I'll just crank it over here. Welcome to the show, sir. It's great to have you on, finally. Finally, thank you very much. I've been I've been trying to get on your show for a long time, so thank you for letting me in. Well, it's been a little bit of a wait, but it's great to have you on. You you are also here with my buddy Rob tonight, so the three of us are going to be hanging out for the next forty minutes. Hi, Rob. How are you? And can um, you hear me okay now? Perfect. Perfect. You want your too too loud or too soft or what's up? Oh no, I I mean if you can actually get a little bit louder, it's fine. But at least you're okay. registering now. There you go. I just put it right here. Okay. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay. Talk over it. That's microphone 101, right? Yes, absolutely it is. So, so right. Dr. Morton, I want to talk to you about something. It's been great okay. digging through your work, and I had the pleasure of listening to one of your appearances on Dreamland with Art Bell back in the 90s. Right. Yeah, some time ago. That's when we, uh, I was his first national show, and I uh, was one of the producers on that program that provided him with his guests, and we took that show from nothing to 27 million people. That, yeah, I, at the height of it, we're talking about nearly 30 million people and every day, which is incredible. And it sounded like he thoroughly enjoyed having you on, and you guys doing well together. I, I, and um, and and now, are you you do your own radio show? Is that correct? Yes, I'm on Strange Universe Radio, which is on uh, Revolution. Uh, I just started doing it again, but it's uh, Revolution Radio. Hope everybody can tune in. It's from 10 o'clock to midnight, Monday through Friday. So. Uh, uh, Hope everybody can come on over and check out my website, which is strangeuniverseradio.com. And, of course, it's named after the uh, – I was one of the founders of, uh, of the United Paramount Network, uh, UPN, with uh, one of their first original shows, which was called Strange Universe Tonight, which I was one of the creators of. Strange Universe brand, so everybody knows now. And I'll make sure I get those links out there, too, <clears throat> later on. And, you know, I don't want to spend too much time on this because we have lots to do. But I, when I was reading through and preparing for tonight, I did see that you were just released from prison last year. You had some problems with the SEC, it said. Uh, oh, I figured I'd just ask you directly since Wikipedia never is friendly to any of the people I'm interested in speaking with anyway. So w what happened there? Well, the Security Exchange Commission was a complete farce. I mean, it was a total farce. The whole thing was a uh, uh, was just a, a anti uh, was a bad publicity campaign. I had a we had a group of investors. There's about 30 people, and I turned uh, 
$300,000 of my own money and about $225,000 of, of other people's money, most of my friends. And using my remote viewing techniques on the foreign exchange market, I turned that into $6.7 million. And then um, I had a trader. I didn't do any of the trading because when you do remote viewing, you don't want to look at the money. You don't want to mess with the money because money messes with your root chakra as opposed to the crown chakra, which is where the psychic stuff comes from. And I told my trader all the things that were going to happen, and he did not believe me. Uh, I told him that the dollar was going to tank, that the Canadian dollar and the uh, uh, Canadian dollar and the Australian dollar were going to be worth more than the U.S. dollar, and he basically said, "That's impossible. You're insane." And he did not make the trades that I told him to do, and he lost the money. Then the SEC came at me, and uh, it was the funniest thing ever because uh, they're just demonic weirdos, and they subpoenaed. Um, I went into a deposition with these people, and it was all civil, by the way. There was nothing criminal. There's nothing. It was all a civil case. And uh, I went in, and uh, my lawyer is looking at this stuff, and it's like, wait a minute, where did, where did you get this? And they're like, where are you hiding $6.7 million? And they subpoenaed the wrong company, a company that was using the same name as us in Florida, which owned apartment buildings. So the whole, their whole case then fell apart. Then they turned around and said, well, you claim to be psychic, and being psychic is impossible. Therefore, we're going to sue you civilly for, uh, for fraud. <laughs> and the judge thought the whole thing was kind of a complete joke and so the, f the final thing in the SEC case was uh, uh, okay I'm gonna give the SEC their bones so they don't look stupid in the media uh, but this ruling is only good for the tip of southern Manhattan which is the district of the southern district of New York and that was it as far as I was concerned the whole thing took place on the moon uh, with the other thing I was part of a national movement which was filing uh, what we call 1099 OIDs, which was tax forms with the Internal Revenue Service that forced the banks to actually pay money and pay the taxes. Because when you put your money in the bank, they use that money for investment capital. And then all you get is a very small percentage of interest, except if you actually file for the proper documents called the 1099 Original Issue Discount. And then with that, you file actually what's called the 1099A, which is uh, abandonment and acquisitions. And that claims your money at the end of the year that says, wait a minute, I'm not just going to let you guys get away with this. And, of course, that makes the bank pay the taxes, and then the IRS would then pay you back. So, as I said, I, I got a return, and six months later, the Internal Revenue Service basically said, we don't want you talking about this. We don't want you teaching people all this stuff. So we're just going to, you know, we're going to sue you. And uh, they still owe me $4.2 million, and they just don't want to pay. So they thought it was easier to... Uh, file criminal charges against me and bamboozle a jury, which they managed to do. By the way, they rigged the jury. They rigged the jury with uh, with members of the Hillary Clinton campaign, uh, a woman named Katie Ingberson, who was the data manager for Obama and Hillary, the third biggest person in their campaign. Then they put people on the jury that weren't even citizens. Then they found a judge which had who had worked as a prosecutor for the Internal Revenue Service for 28 years. And it's weird when the prosecutor stands up and says, this case has no victims and there's no monetary loss to anyone. And then an IRS agent got on the stand, and the judge said, wait a minute, this isn't a tax evasion case. Sean Morton told you every dime he made over the course of time. Get off the stand. So this is the kind of thing it was. I was, uh, I was not given discovery. I was given blank discs uh, when the judge just rolled over that. So it was a violation. And how long were you sent away? Uh, I was in, uh, was in prison for four years. Four years? Yeah, and actually it was weird because I got out under the First Step Act and under, under all the COVID stuff. And I, uh, they gave me cancer when I was in there, and I actually have, uh, I have, uh, I was diagnosed with stage four uh, terminal throat cancer, and uh, uh, I got out, and I was fighting it, doing whatever it was I could do, and then the the DOJ just decided, eh, we don't like it being out, 
so five months later they grabbed me again no nope, i couldn't go in front of a judge there was no nothing and they shoved me back into another federal prison uh shipped me to butner north carolina where what's his face uh uh bernie uh, bernie madoff had just died actually and as a matter of fact that's where tiger king is now in butner and uh, you know proceeded to kill me with the, the first dose of chemo paralyzed both my legs paralyzed my arm so are you are you still are you still uh, fighting the cancer right now? Yeah, yeah, it's all it's all lumps and tumors all in my my neck and my jaw, but that was all them, and they refused to transfer me to a medical facility. They were choose. They just said, you know, uh, tough luck. And uh, at the prison where I was at in Big Spring, Texas, we had five guys die of COVID. Then seven more people right after I left froze to death when they had the big cold snap there, and all the turbines froze up well let me ask you let me let me ask you this i hate to cut you off but i want to be able to keep this as concise as possible because i think the 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 breadth of work that you did prior to this run-in with the sec and all that other stuff is is just as compelling but why um why mention that there was uh clinton involvement in the in the jury do the clintons have it out for you for some reason and uh okay i worked for i've worked for hard copy i worked for uh, uh unsolved mysteries uh, I did stories on the on the JFK Jr. Um, what I think is an assassination, and I mean I was up on on ABC Nightline, basically yelling and screaming that Hillary Clinton had, had JFK Jr. killed, and had done inv- investigations into her. By the way, it wasn't just me. All you people out there in the freedom movement, all you young bucks, if you will, uh, 2015, 2016, right when Trump started running, they rounded up everybody in the freedom movement. It wasn't just me. It was Rocky Hudson who was head of the Colorado Republican uh, in Colorado. It was Tim Turner, who was head of the Southern Confederacy. It was uh, uh, Winston Shrout, who was doing Bond stuff up in Oregon. So these are all the people that they rounded up. And, you know, I think universally got, uh, I think they all got 72 months or whatever. And then the first step back was supposed to start letting a lot of these people go. And as you can tell, the, the, the BOP uh, have just ignored it. They're just like, nah, we don't, we don't have the resources. We have resources to make sure these guys have, have uh, sex surgeries. Well, we don't have the research to actually implement the first step back, which would release uh, probably half of the uh, federal gulag population right now. And by the way, Trump's no hero either because he had 10,000 parts sitting on his desk and uh, 50,000 requests for commutations of sentence. And he walked away from all of them, including Julian Assange and uh, uh, Edward Snowden. That, that rubbed right. a lot of people wrong. Uh, that rubbed a lot of people wrong over here too. It, uh, Julian Assange, most of the, there's a lot. There's a lot of mixed opinions out there about Edward Snowden, but everybody was unanimous about um, about Julian Assange. We were one, scratching our heads. Fault. Mitch McConnell's fault. Mitch McConnell threatened Trump and said, "I'm going to get my 18 butt boys that I control in the Senate, and we're all going to vote for impeachment. You'll never be able to run for president if you don't walk away from those pardons." And he walked away. Okay, well, uh, there's a lot more I can ask, but like I said, we want to. I want to move along here, and um, I was hoping it was going to be all about that. But no, no, it's it, it's all right. It's going to be overturned because I wasn't provided evidence. We we have an appeal uh, working now, and uh, they just picked people that they felt couldn't defend themselves, which was me. Well, let's talk a little bit about something that you, you uh, the things that you become really known for. Um, you are a remote viewer. The first thing I'd like to ask is where you, where you learned this. What were you self-taught? Were you a program inductee? Willing, unwilling, what? Okay, interesting story. I was in the first, I guess I was the first remote viewing experiment at Stanford University in 76. I was taking uh, advanced placement classes in summer school at Stanford. And the guys from Stanford Research Institute, which was uh, Hal Putoff, Russell Targ, uh, you know, the, the whole gang there, uh, they just came into a psych class and uh, gave us the fundamentals of it. And uh, 
our goal was to predict uh, where a couple of students in the class, they were excused from the class, and we were going to predict where they were on campus uh, like the following Friday. And they, would just, they walked around campus with a twister spinner to make it all completely random. And then we would predict, okay, you're, at the, you're by the fountain in the quad looking up, uh, looking south at the, uh, at the Hoover Tower, and we would predict where they were on a map. And this is, I, I've been a, a dowser using, uh, uh, using pendulums and whatever else, and so I sort of came up with my, uh, uh, added a little bit to the program. Now, Russell Targ was one of the people that pioneered it. Uh, some years later, um, his daughter, Dr. Elizabeth Targ, uh, and I became involved and lived together for a while, and, and uh, you know, we developed what's called the Associative Remote Viewing Program, which allowed her to go to medical school and, you know, allowed me to live free, basically, because we'd go to Vegas for a weekend and take a thousand bucks and turn it into about 30 grand. And you just, you leave the casino and you got tired of winning. See, so, okay, uh, okay. so this, this is something that's really interesting. This is the second time you've brought up something like this, uh, that you, you using your abilities to be able to turn a buck. Um, there's a, there are some people out there who who talk about uh, you know the, the, sometimes their their abilities could be blocked by ethical reasons. You, one thing or not, you know, you don't think there's anything wrong with going out there and, and hitting up the blackjack table, do you? Well, let's see. Remote viewing can't really be used for blackjack. It can be used for I mean, there's there's energy techniques for blackjack, but um, no, I mean it's it, you're basically just you're transforming energy into. Uh, into another form of energy, which is what uh, you take that energy and, and money is obviously a form of energy. And uh, so and if it's worth doing, it's worth getting paid for. And there's a lot of blockages to it. People say, well, if you're a remote viewer, how come you can't just go predict the lotto every day and go be billionaires? And you try to explain to people that that's not the way it works because you have two sides of the brain and the psychic abilities come from the, uh, literally come from like this part of the brain back here, which actually correlates on a map, correlates to Southern California. But it's the superior anterior section of the brain, and um, the the, the left-hand side of the brain, which is the male side of the brain, thinks in terms of uh, it thinks in terms of height, width, breadth, a linear version of time, and uh, mathematics: two plus two equaling four, geometry, if you will. And so, what happens is it does it has the psychic ability of a bag of hammers. This this side of the brain, this side of the brain, which is the feminine side of the brain, thinks in terms of quantum time. In other words, the holographic essence of all time and space in the universe is there. And that side of the brain thinks in terms of symbols, pictures, archetypes, art, uh, you know, but it's the purple, it's the lady in the purple mumu running through the field of poppies because this, this part of the brain has no, two plus two equals purple to this side of the brain. So the way you entrain yourself is that you give this side of the brain a bunch of toys to play with like a you know a Star Trek console, or you you basically create like the the bridge of the Enterprise, where you you have a ship that's traveling in the blood of God, if you will, that can take you anywhere in time and space that you want. And this side of the brain that then supplies that information. Therefore, if you and I were going to the casino and I had three targets that actually would predict uh, the first, second, and third part of a roulette board. So you know one is one to thirteen, two is you know, fourteen to twenty six, and then uh, twenty seven to thirty three, and um, that pays two to one, so which is exactly like a blackjack. So if I have uh, a fluffy cat and the Great Pyramid and the Eiffel Tower, and I've teach, taught you the techniques and I give you a coordinate, which would be like 2782 Aqua, uh, something completely random, and I, I take you through the protocol or I sort of interview you in a process where I tell you I'm going to show you a picture after the spin of a roulette wheel after exactly 9 p.m. as an example. So it could be any time after that. And... Um, Let's say what you see is, oh, I see a lot of lights. I see uh, 
Uh, it's weird. I see a structure in the middle. And, oh, there's a woman with, uh, you know, with hairy armpits. Uh, I smell garlic. Uh, there's a waiter that's been rude to me or whatever. I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, and, and then you draw something that looks like a tower. I'm figuring that you've now hit out of billions of infinite possible targets, you know, the Eiffel Tower. So we go down to the roulette board. Uh, nine o'clock comes along. We'll, we'll, place, uh, we'll place a bet on, on the third part of the board. And at the same time, just for fun, you take like 10 bucks and you bet every number as well because that pays obviously like 35 to 1. And, um, and you win. And you walk out and you, you know, rinse, lather, repeat. And that's kind of how it works. And uh, we did this under, actually there was a, a, a once again, Stanford, uh, Dr. James Spottiswood, who's the brother of Roger Spottiswood, who directed a bunch of the James Bond movies. We took an entire team up to Lake Tahoe and uh, he actually... Uh, got his PhD thesis, uh, basically remote viewing and predicting the outcome of random number generators, which is basically roulette wheels, horse races, uh, football games actually is only like, you know, which team's going to win, which colors, it's like a one or a two. So that's how we broke it down. Uh, it was called Associated Remote Viewing and actually it was uh, Dr. Russell Targ and I, um, she and I put this whole protocol together to figure out how to make money to put her through school and you know pay the rent. That's that's uh, that's pretty interesting. Uh, I mean, it sounds like a little bit, obviously, a little bit more of a uh, a spiritual uh, twenty-one. You know that movie with the MIT, all the MIT kids went and figured out all the blackjack. Well, this is something else here. Um, I when you when you're doing this, obviously, you're talking about going and being being able to 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 bring out a little bit more, you know, money for yourself and and take take yourself to another, I don't know, maybe uh, improve the creature comforts in your life. But as far as seeking seeking uh, information about the world at large, bringing yourself to be able to remote view places, people, uh, or maybe even other other times. When did you start learning that? How to how to really hone into that? Well, it's just part of the focus. I mean, I I was, uh, you know, I was earth sensitive, if you will. It's a it kind of, uh, gosh, I'd have to go into my background. I'm sorry, Dr. Sense. Morton. Can you get a little bit yeah. closer? You just you're registering so so low um, over here. Wow. Okay. A little bit better. better. Yeah. Go ahead. Just project a little bit. Thank you. Okay, there we go. How's that? A lot better. Thank you. In my headphones, it's like it's just booming in my headphones here. All right, so there we go. So, um, no, I've been on a spiritual quest like this. I guess you could say the one of the uh, one of the side effects of cosmic consciousness, for whatever reason, is that you just know things. And uh, uh, you know, I spent time in, in India. Uh, I was in. Uh, I, I actually was at uh, Dharamsala with the with the Dalai Lama actually for about three months, and then I went to a. Uh, a monastery in Nepal called Tangbache and studied with the black hat Karmakegi monks there. And it's just a question of opening up to what you need to know and what you want to focus on. And I started predicting earthquakes and, and natural catastrophes and whatever. And that's what, uh, after I was doing the, uh, the UFO stuff with, uh, with our bell, bell was saying, well, you make predictions too. And I said, yeah. And then my predictions were so dead on that I started frightening art. Uh, you know, he said, he's got more hits in the Russian mafia and Barry Bonds and, and, uh, because uh, I'd get up on the show, and this is all through the 90s, and I would give very specific predictions that would happen, you know, bing, bang, boom. It got to the point where Art was saying, well, I'm not sure I want you to make predictions on the radio anymore. And I said, why? You let Ed Dames get up there, <laughs> and, uh, you know, he makes all kinds of predictions. You let him go, and he predicts the end of the world every time he comes on the show. And Art said, well, we all know Ed's full of shit, but the problem is is that when you make a prediction, it happens. And I'm not so sure that you and I, with the with the the, the, the gestalt between the two of us, 
that we're not programming all these millions of people to actually make the make the event happen. That's and, an, uh, that's interesting take right there. So it's kind of an interesting thing because you're actually getting people between 10 p.m. and about 3 a.m. in the morning, and you're feeding this stuff into their subconscious, you know, where, where it comes down. But, uh, you know, I was making political predictions, and I mean, just the political prediction I made in the last year, a year in advance, I predicted Amy Comey Barrett, you know, a year in advance would be would be on the Supreme Court, that the Supreme Court would overturn Roe v. Roe v. Wade, that Trump would actually win the election but would not serve, which didn't make any sense to me. But obviously this is it makes sense now. Yeah, right? <laughs> but I also predicted back in twenty fifteen that he would be the that he would be the next president and uh you know, just tossing all that in. I was actually uh, uh calling a radio friend of mine and making predictions when I was actually in prison and they were all you know, coming true. So it's just my way of contributing to whatever's going on. I also had a newsletter where I wanted to put things in writing. This is not just something where I say, okay, I predicted this, I predicted that, I predicted the other thing with no proof. So I started my Delphi Associates newsletter, which I had for like 17 years. I had 50,000 subscribers at one time, and uh, I wanted to put things in print. So you could say, Sean said it, it's right here, it's in print, here's the date of whatever it is. But um, and also, by the way, predicting the you know the dire things that are going to happen between now and 2025, 2026, which I don't think we can get out of now. That's what I want to talk uh, about in just in just in just a second. Before I get on to my uh, my related follow up question, I want to see if Rob had anything that he that was going through your mind. You want to jump in on anything? No, no. But I'm eager to uh, see how this timeline that as Sean just mentioned, seems to have solidified is going to play out. Yeah, I, w I definitely want to get to that. That's I want to be that to be like almost like the coup de gras here. But first, let me ask you, Sean, um, yeah. in, in predicting the future, I read about this in a lot of your bios that you predicted um, the 1989 San Francisco earthquake, yes. uh, Landers, 92, 94, right. Northridge, 95, Kobe, Japan. Um, there are people on the Internet right now who predict earthquakes pretty accurately with the technology that's available on a consumer-grade level. But, of course, we're talking about you in the 80s and the 90s. What techniques do you employ when you're making important predictions like this? Well, I was working with maps, where I just learned how to work with maps. And uh, looking at the maps and running my hands over the maps and then feeling where the hot spots are on the maps and then focusing on that particular place. I also I put a team together as well of a group of people that I taught and trained and uh, we were on the news a bunch of times. I mean, the, probably the most interesting story was uh, a friend of mine used to run Channel 9, uh, uh, Artemis Shamamian, and I'd made a prediction. And it was just kind of hubris where I said, well, is there going to be a, there's going to be a big quake? And they were saying, when? I said, I don't know, next Tuesday. And they were like, oh, okay. <laughs> and uh, they sent a news crew to my house, and this was already just messing with me. They sent the news crew to my house on the Tuesday to say, well, here's the guy that predicted a big earthquake today. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He, he's just another one of these psychic figs. And uh, as the news crew was actually coming up the, the steps to my uh, uh, to my apartment, they're standing in the hallway when the earthquake hit. It was like 9.20 a.m. And the earthquake hit, the whole house is shaking, and very much like Dr. Strange, I, I opened up the door and said, would you guys like to come in? And uh, so the story became, we're in the home of the psychic that predicted the earthquake today, and, and uh, we're on the scene. So suddenly 12:30 news says, well, you know, Sean Morton and his crew have predicted this particular quake. So uh, the, the good news I, I can say, and this has a lot to do with the shifting of the timelines as well and why it's been good and bad as far as what the, what the time quake has been doing. And this is what my book, Sands of Time, is all about, by the way. The, one of the, reason, the real reason I went to prison was because of my book, Sands of Time. I mean, there was so much. It was literally the, the, the personal journal of a man in black who actually ran all these programs 
at Area 51, which they also call S2, S3, S4, uh, Montauk, you know, these various places, because they've been manipulating quakes. The Northridge quake, for example, was the first one I predicted that was entirely artificial. And it was, uh, I pinpointed the quake and the, uh, the date and the time of the quake, but they were using extra low wave frequency uh, wave generators to be able to generate that quake where it was to remove pressure, not only on the San Andreas Fault, but also to remove pressure on a, on a big earthquake that should have happened underneath Edwards Air Force Base. And they're not going to do that because Edwards Air Force Base and uh, the uh, Antelope Valley Mountains right next to it was a gigantic underground Northrop facility, which is called the Ant Hill. Uh, but they were not going to lose anything there. So they triggered the quake in Northridge, which interestingly enough, for as big a quake as it was, they don't, there was only like 60 casualties and they had it all cleaned up almost right away. But they've been triggering these quakes along the fault line, along with nationally as well. The big quake in, uh, in Washington, D.C., that happened at the same time as the quake in Colorado was specifically geared to relieve pressure on the uh, on the New Madrid fault, so bigger quakes wouldn't happen. We're not going to not going to be having these massive, uh, uh, you know, these ginormous natural catastrophes. But the majority of what's going to happen is going to be social, and it's going to be what the uh, what your own government and military are going to do to you uh, between between now and the election, because all hell's about to break loose. By the way, the last the last thing I predicted, uh, Alex Jones and I were actually the only two people to get it right. And I said that February 22nd was going to be when the uh, when the Russians were going to attack Ukraine, and uh, uh, happened right on right on cue. And Alex said, "Oh, I had military experts tell me about it," and in my case, I I uh, I knew the Russians were going to act on that day, primarily because I did the astrology on it. And there's a there's a whole transit of Pluto that's happening right now. That uh, Pluto at 27 degrees Capricorn actually happened on February 22nd. So the next big ingress is going to be, and the real focus that I'm working on now. Is going to be August eighth, so we're going to see uh, we're going to see how that comes down. But uh, now that the new world order has basically taken over your government, um, and the only thing standing in their way was Vladimir Putin, uh, it was inevitable that we were going to go to war with them. And if you don't think they're they're going to use nuclear weapons, you've got another thing coming. Well, so okay, so then let's let's talk about this. Going back to what Rob had was had expressed interest in the solidifying of a no way out everything has been fixed it's time to just you know pay the piper kind of a timeline uh that we have going on over here let's mix that in with your with prophecy in general i mean we we dabble obviously living in apocalyptic times we dabble in prophecy on this show and to be more specific since you brought it up me and rob here recently leapt into uh, comparing recorded visions from Edgar Casey, Baba Vanga, uh, Our Lady of Fatima, especially when it comes to speculating about possible Russia and New World Order endgames. Could you give us give us the status report on this particular subject? That would be wonderful. Okay, well, okay, so I ran the Prophecy Research Institute and, and, uh, and published the Delphi Associates newsletter, so I've studied all this. I've studied... Uh, Nostradamus. I've made a. I've. I've actually used Nostradamus prophecies to predict a lot of interesting stuff, and I mean, including he actually had a prophecy that where he predicted the outcome of the OJ trial. I know that sounds trivial, uh, but we actually said he's going to be found innocent, and uh, uh, you know, we've got a prophecy here that says that. But if you look at Edgar Casey, if you look at uh, Nostradamus, if you look at uh, Gordon Michael Scallion as an example, who was kind of the Mac Daddy of earthquake predictors back in the day, today you, you probably don't even know who he is, do you? No. And yet he was—he uh, had a newsletter, and he was probably ten for ten as far as predicting earthquakes. And this shows that there's been a massive shift in the timeline, and there have been people that have been, have manipulated time. 
and this is what my this is what my Sands of Time books are all about. Once again, you go to strangeuniverseradio.com, and these are the reasons I've just got a brand new book out called Time Runner. Uh, it's been optioned for a movie, actually, and um, uh, but all the timelines have been skewed. It's even I mean I've been a student of the Great Pyramid of Giza uh, since I went to school in Egypt back in like seventy four seventy five, and um, even the even the time code of the pyramid seems to be wrong as well. So there's been a massive shift, which I think is a, a blessing that has then shifted the timelines because nothing nothing Nostradamus has said has been right since about 2005. Same thing with Edgar Casey. The last real thing he predicted was uh, probably Mount St. Helens, I would think, because he predicted a you know volcano in the Pacific Northwest in uh, the late 70s, and, and Mount St. Helens happened in May of 1980. But um, the timelines have shifted. I mean, it's 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 very interesting how that happens because it's it's because of people like you and I, Frank, that because so many of us truth seekers have been able to get to alternative forms of media that when you understand that time it's not just a river but it's a wave and so when you have a wave that's coming towards the shore like you're sitting on the beach the only way to stop that wave now let's say you jump up and you and you and you run into the ocean and you throw yourself into the wave the wave only parts for a brief period of time and then closes up and the wave then hits the beach so the only the only way to go at it is you have to create a, a, an equal and opposite wave heading towards it, which then which then nullifies it. Now, I mean, we've had devices. There was a, a huge tidal wave that was actually heading towards the East Coast. And, um, I mean, there was a shot from space. I used to show it to my, uh, my group that there was a huge pulse that actually came out of uh, Brookhaven Labs that actually flattened out, uh, flattened out that wave. Um, a lot of cosmic things that have been happening, like a polar shift that we've been talking about, uh, were actually stopped by a nine-minute black hole that was created over um, over Norway. This was a big shift in the timeline. Also, it was December 9th of uh, of 2000 of 2009. So, and it, it it literally changed the magnetic field of the Earth, whereas true north and magnetic north were heading towards each other, which would have led to a polar shift or at least an electromagnetic shift. And then suddenly, at that time, on that particular day. Uh, the magnetic pole of the, of the Earth actually just stopped and took a hard right and is now heading towards Russia. It's actually now on the Sea of Siberia, which is another way that we've... Each one of these earthquakes also, if you look at Fukushima, if you look at Bio Bio Chile, if you look at, uh, you know, really big quakes, each one of these quakes has actually adjusted the nodal axis of the Earth to bring us more in line with galactic center and at the same time has, has moved the Earth back into its proper orbit uh, because the big reason why the, the ETs wanted Eisenhower to stop atomic testing is because we were knocking the Earth out of its orbit. So, you know, so the natural catastrophes on, in, in each case, and they can be stopped with, uh, you know, with proper prayer. Uh, with the organization, for example, when the, when the 89 quake happened in San Francisco, that was, uh, was the World Series quake. It was October 17th of 89. On October 1st, which was my birthday, I took a group of people up to Mount Shasta and I said, you guys are going to think I'm crazy by the end of this, but, you know, we can stop this big quake that's coming. So I've got a whole group of witnesses of people who went up to Mount Shasta with me and beat a drum and did a meditation. Uh, the quake happened 17 days later, as predicted. But, uh, you know, we drove the epicenter out of San Francisco, I think, in my opinion, down to Hollister, where it didn't do as much damage as it should have. So each one of these things can be avoided. And people should never, never think about the that the... The size of the battlefield is important relative to the to the battle itself. You know, you can have two people, you know, fighting fighting each other out, you know, to win the day. And I know that sounds really complicated, but um, you know, we've enough people have come together. For example, Donald Trump being elected, 
was a huge shift in that wave and that and that timeline. And then the New World Order just came right in again and said, well, we don't care what you think. And, you know, if, if you think voting changed anything, they would have made it illegal a long time ago. So, um, you know, so, so in respect to 2025, then, because you're, you're talking about uh, situations where people are able to affect uh, uh, events through applying consciousness and human intent. But like you, the show. But, yeah, well, but, but before you were speaking very uh, definitive that we are going to have to face something that cannot be avoided at this point. What is that? Well, because, all right, here's here's how it's going to go down. I mean, for example. Uh, they've already sabotaged your. They've already sabotaged your energy systems. They've sabotaged your food supply. They've sabotaged, um, for example, right now. And let me give you one big prophecy. You, you talked about all the prophecy people. One person that you missed, that turns out is probably going to be the only one standing when all the dust clears, is Madame Blavatsky. You ever heard of Madame Blavatsky? Yes. Madame Blavatsky started the uh, the Theosophical Theosophical Society, and she was a big spiritualist. And her interesting prophecy was that she said in the first quarter of the twenty uh, of the twenty first century, that you would see what she called the Death Star. And here's a prediction for you. Here's the, the, that this Death Star would appear, and it would appear in the in the wing of the Swan. Well, oddly enough, NASA has now said there's a, a huge what they call a boom star, that two supernovas have collided back in 1638, and the light of this boom star was heading towards us. Now they predicted that we were going to see it in the wing of Cygnus, and it was going to be the brightest thing in the sky, next to the moon, and it was supposed to happen on June 1st didn't happen NASA <laughs> NASA probably said well what, that's not rocket science and uh, it hasn't happened yet but it's going to happen and she predicted that at that time there will be a great culling all over the world of men and animals and what you've already seen if you've seen it you've seen a culling of men through uh, I think we defeated them in a lot of the uh, uh, you know they had a planned uh, international pandemic which I think we uh, we thwarted them on but the biggest thing has been your food supply they've just killed uh, you know 30 million turkeys and chickens. Tens of uh, millions of birds, yeah. Supply. They've sabotaged uh, 20, 30, actually, uh, food processing plants. Uh, the Biden administration has come in and, and, and cut off, uh, uh, you know, Keystone Pipeline and, you know, being, I mean, they couldn't give oil away, for God's sakes. It was like zero. It was like minus five. And yet suddenly it just all shifts because it's all Putin's war. So, um, but it's going to be, and the food shortages are coming. Once the food shortages happen, um, you're going to descend into social chaos. And, um, you know, look at people on Black Friday trying to get a TV. <laughs> you know, imagine what's going to happen. I mean, we're three meals away right now from a revolution in this country. And we're right on that precipice at the moment where they're manipulating the food supply. They've already manipulated the population by basically instituting what they call medical rape, which is, you know, I'm going to stick this thing in you and, and inject you with a bunch of chemicals that you don't know what they are. And at the same time, now they come out and say, well, it's my body, my choice, which really confuses me with the whole abortion thing. And, and yet you're perfectly willing to have everybody submit to the vaccine so um you know they're just they're losing their minds right now they're they're hitting the bell and they're flashing the lights at the same time and you're watching the dog which is the american people uh, basically salivate and you know lose their minds because they're pulling all the triggers at once now which is inducing kind of a, a national psychosis as you can see if uh you know, through the mainstream media, is what it is. Excuse me, sorry. Well, on the on the great reset end of things, it's it's just, that's a a very a co co collective term for a lot of the factors that you threw on out there. Um, there Schwab. Yes, yeah. There, there's that all happening. Uh, they talk big time about 
um, environmental, economic transitions that are necessary, this and that. But one of the ways that they have been they have been uh, ushering us into a time of really dire financial straits, which would require a great financial reset. Is as I we were we were setting it up before this showdown with Russia. So um, on that front specifically, what can you tell us about? Vladimir Putin versus NATO and uh, and the next couple of months, if not years. Well, Biden and Harris and, and you know the whole new world order gang that have now taken over the, you know all three branches of government. They want a, a fistfight with uh, with Putin. I mean, when you you can see it coming when Nathaniel Rothschild says that uh, Vladimir Putin is public enemy number one to the new world order. When Vladimir Putin says I would strangle the new world order with my bare hands if if I could. Uh, he warned, this is a very interesting thing, he warned Trump in a public thing. I don't understand why nobody, everybody hasn't hasn't seen this. But he says to Trump, he says, he says, President Trump, when you leave office, you must tell everybody everything you know about 9-11. And he also said, and also that we're currently in contact with 27 alien races, three of which are actively trying to destroy us. This is the president of Russia talking about this stuff. And how it's going to go is is the push is going to come to shove. Uh, we're going to go at it with Russia. Russia is going to basically, you know, wipe out the opposition. They, they, the Ukrainians have already lost. And because they don't believe, because the New World Order guys do not believe in negotiation and they don't care about people and they're not going to back down, I think they're going to take a nuclear alternative to that. If we got into a fist fight with Russia with nuclear weapons, it would last about 200 seconds. Um, and... It's just how I think it's going to play. There were actually two nuclear weapons that were used in Ukraine back in 2014. There's video of it. You know, you can you can see them happening. But they're you know they're tactical nuclear weapons. They're not like giant Hiroshima weapons. They're going to wipe out whole big land masses. They're 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 strategic. So um, and the Russians, all of the uh, you know all of the sanctions that we're passing against the Russians are are, are a joke. I mean, the Russians are they're, they're just fine with it. They've got enough oil to do what it is they need to do, but. You know, if that comes, we're at the precipice of, of the, the possible annihilation of three billion people. And if you actually look into, I mean, read Klaus Schwab's Great Reset. His goal is to basically wipe out the population of Africa using, uh, you know, vaccines and whatever else, which, again, when you realize that the, the Bill gates back vaccine killed something like 250, uh, you know, 250 million people in, uh, in the 80s in, in, uh, in Africa. And then he wants to mix the races. He wants to take China and Japan and take them because he, he thinks that they have more of a hive mind and they've been beaten into submission over the course of hundreds of years and mix it with Caucasians, you know, with Germans, basically, and that he thinks that was going to be the perfect the perfect slave race. And then the climate's not going to get hotter, it's going to get colder, and then you want to move that that uh, that slave race uh, down to the equatorial regions. And this isn't me. This is I'll give you the quote where Klaus Schwab says it himself about what their ultimate goal is. And between now... Here's the big picture. If you want the big picture between now and 2034, there's going to be this mass drop in population. We're talking about 8 billion people. I don't even know how, how low it's, it's going to go. Uh, but leading up to 2034, and in 2034, because this, now we're talking about a war with China, I'm, I'm pretty sure that the Chinese are going to go after Taiwan while the Biden administration is still in charge. And then, then it's Australia, and then it's, uh, then it's them configuring with... Uh, uh, with Korea and Japan, and that's the big war. That's the war spoken of in the Bible against the kings of the east with their 200 million man army, which comes after. So it's kind of interesting because you have the battle of, of man versus man, 
and then you have the battle of you know man versus god really and in 2034 this is predicted in the great pyramid of giza by the way that there's going to be direct extraterrestrial intervention it's going to get so bad it's called the day of appearance actually and there's going to be direct extraterrestrial intervention after that time if you want to go back to the pyramids the pyramids actually predict uh the birth of the central messianic figure which is which is jesus predicts his birth at 2 bc and his death at uh, april 1st of 33 a.d but they predict another messiah coming and this other messiah is going to come out of england if you understand the the uh, trajectory and he or she uh takes control i'm not sure if she's born then but takes control on october 31st of uh of 2039 and then after that you have you know you have peace on earth you have a release of technology you have by 20 this by was all this is all in the uh in the in the pyramid i never heard of this being being uh displayed in the pyramids it's all in the uh i did a uh, i did a, a documentary actually they're called prophecy of the pyramids and uh, a lot of it's in the work of uh peter lemassur uh the great pyramid decoded but it's all in the angles because when you enter the pyramid it breaks it down to pyramid inches representing years and you have three paths of humanity one going down to the pit where they're destroyed uh, another one going to the queen's chamber which is the material world where you don't advance spiritually and then you go all the way up to the uh you know the, all the way up to the uh, sarcophagus in the king's chamber which is the 30th century which happens uh when when death is conquered where you can lay down one body and go to another thing but it's all in the angles and it's all in the mathematics of the pyramid itself by the way you can look at isaiah because isaiah says that in the last days there shall be a pillar and a monument to the lord thy god um and he's specifically talking it's in the center and the border of the land of egypt and there's only one object that's at the center and the border of egypt and that's the great pyramid of giza so it's all about isaiah saying that man-made prophecies can be changed but you know the pyramid's going to going to be there going to stay that's very I, I've, I've never heard it before I have to read I have to read what you what you had published very interesting stuff there um, I'll, send you, I'll send you some stuff and you know I've, I've done remote viewing stuff where I've gone to the future and then, and then sort of looked back and uh, something called the Vajra Chronicles but a lot of it was told to me by uh, the guy that gave me the manuscripts for Sands of Time even though uh, it was handed to me in uh, 2009 but um, you know <laughs> there's so much in those books I mean here you have Bob Lazar who only worked there 16 days and you know gives you little pieces of whatever he was about and i give you the whole you know the whole thing i mean the whole mcgill of the you know the entire pizza with with pineapple on the top and it's everything that they were working on and, and it, it it tells you the true story really the true story of the advancement of technology in the human race about you know and the the reason we were studying the the, the captured saucers there is um didn't really have to do with their element 115 power source it had to do with the fact that the saucers could dilate time so if you and I got in the ship, we'd spend you know two, three, four, five minutes in there, and 24 hours would would uh, would, would pass you know outside the ship. So that's what we were looking at—a way to dilate time and uh, mm. a way to teleport and run through time, which is what the Time Runner books are all about. But the next three books of Time Runner, Act One, Act Two, and Act Three, they basically lay out everything that's going to happen. So once again, StrangeUniverseRadio.com, please get the books. StrangeUniverseRadio.com. Rob, anything that has uh, popped up for you? Uh, uh, in, over the course of this, there's a lot thrown out there. I definitely have some. Uh, I have some thoughts on time technology I'd like to get into, but we're running out of time too. So I want to make sure sorry, you get yeah, anything. I know you got a great setup there, and I knew we'd only have a limited amount of time. So I'm sorry. Well, I, well, hey, listen, yeah, we love, we'd love to have info. you back. Thank you, thank you. I, it's an honor to be here with you, sir. <laughs> just, uh, just to keep it topical, you mentioned uh, Mount Shasta when you you yes. went there. So, is it like a point of power if you will like how i don't know how to describe it but um 
it's significant. That location itself is significant, right? It all has to do with because um, um, California used to be a, a, a continent called Lemuria. Right. Okay. And so, seventeen thousand years ago, you had the uh, you know the the Gulf of Baja open up, and that's when the Channel Islands all came out. So, you've got three real major power points. Actually, all across the Earth, the Earth has chakra points, mm -hmm. and the base root chakra is Lhasa Tibet, which is where the God Force, the male God Force, comes in. The second chakra. Uh, is uh, is Cairo is actually the Great Pyramid where it represents the prostate ovarian chakra. The solar plexus is Stonehenge. The heart mm -hmm. chakra is Machu Picchu. Uh, the throat chakra is actually uh, downtown Los Angeles. Actually, it, it, that whole area is owned by the Catholic Church, by the way. But there's an area called the gazebo at the top of Olvera Street that has an eight-sided uh, octagon, and uh, that's the exact center point of the throat chakra. That's why LA is movies and communications and music mm -hmm. and oh wow, makes sense, yeah. Uh, and the, the the third eye is uh, is actually uh, it's a place called Tenri City, which is right outside of Osaka, Japan. What about and Antarctica? Because what the hell's sorry, going on? What's going well, on in Antarctica? Antarctica's a jeez. Um, uh, Antarctica's a, a whole ancient civilization there, and as the as the ice melts, there's uh, uh, there's ice free regions. Uh, actually, there in Antarctica, you have all of these uh, you have all of these uh, uh, bad guy, New World Order guys all meeting down in Antarctica. Uh, because they have big bases underneath the ice. They've also got one of the largest underground bases in the world is in Australia. It's actually in uh, Pine Gap, uh, right near an area called Alice Springs, which is the Area 51 of Australia. But uh, the only one that's bigger, I think, is Yamanatu in in, uh, in Russia, where you've got like 5 million people that can go underground to survive possibly a, a nuclear war. But what's going on down there is that the ice is, is melting, and if it is melting, uh, they're kind of panicking about the fact that there's a whole civilization there and maybe that's where maybe that's where Atlantis was. But to go back to Mount Shasta, your power points here in Los Angeles are there's an area on Santa Cruz Island, which is on the in the Catalina Islands, where you can manipulate all the energy of Southern California. Uh, then you've got Mount Tamalpais, which actually overlooks uh, San Francisco, and then of course then Mount Shasta. And Mount Shasta, the belief is is that under Mount Shasta is a Lemurian city, still mm -hmm. other dimensional, uh, called Telos. Right, and right. somehow, some way, you can you can manipulate the energy of California uh, from Mount Shasta. As a matter of fact, the first UFO sightings in that chain uh, were right at the foot of Mount Adams, mm. which is just a little little ways away there. Yes, and, uh, I know. A, a guy named uh, James was... Gilliland who has a ranch right at the foot of it. And they see right, UFOs right. Yeah, the, all the time. yeah, the ECTI. Um, the but Mount Shasta is supposedly smoking right now, and I've seen the. What? Yeah, okay. they said that it's smoking, and. Uh, what the report I said, well, what I said, I, I saw was somebody was saying that, no, 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 it's just there's rocks falling and soot's being thrown in the air. And just, I mean, I've read so much about Mount Shasta. And I was like, there is something next to Mount Shasta called Shastina uh, that has an open mouth to it, but they've been dormant for a long time. So yeah, they said if that, they are activating, then that's, that's the entire Cascadia range right there, which would be very bad for a lot of people. <laughs> that's why I kind of, I was like, well, what's going on over here? Yeah. I just know that significance and I've I've heard about the you know under underground over there that the different city that exists in a uh, a different vibration than than where right, we're currently well, occupying if, if, yeah. if you really want to look at the uh, uh, the horseman the American apocalypse would probably be Mount Rainier because the weak side of Mount Rainier faces Seattle and there's that, that entire city could be wiped out then you have uh, Yellowstone which of course is a massive caldera that's about 50,000 years overdue to erupt <laughs> uh, then you have this, the San Andreas fault which of course they've uh, the entire tech agency. I mean, everything. Uh, Silicon Valley is right on top of the San Andreas. I mean, not to the left or right. 
and then you've got the uh, the new matter fault and and in each case predicting that there may be catastrophes on this i've watched government science and the super science that they've used basically diffuse or defang uh these various things you know triggering quakes in dc and colorado at the same time to remove pressure on the new matter uh Yellowstone was building up and up and up. It went up about 30 feet or so, and then suddenly it just all deflated like a big souffle. Um, you just had all, uh, one of the other threats, which was this huge volcano that started erupting on uh, on La Palma, uh, yeah, which right. is in the Canary right. Islands just off of Africa. Had that <laughs> volcano split in half, it had the potential of basically creating a thousand foot tidal wave that yeah. wiped out the East Coast. Yeah, well, we 15 were years ago. worried about that over here. <laughs> we were we were following it pretty uh, pretty intently. Yeah. And, well, it and just... my prediction on it was, because I was on uh, Kerry Cassidy's Project Camelot, and I said, you don't have to worry about it. 15 years ago, I talked to guys in the military said, they went to Congress and said, we got to blow this island up. And Congress did nothing. And I know that they started working on it. And what they used was a combination of underground explosives and scalar wave weaponry to basically melt the entire uh, volcano like an ice cream. Just all, and you'll notice that the whole thing just just <laughs> melted, so it's no longer a threat whatsoever. Wow, where to go? Where to go? I mean, we have to have you back. I'd love to have you back on a Thursday night so we can continue this because there's so much here. But I know just also in your in the the, the book series that you put out, you you're talking about UFOs. I'd love to talk about your what your personal experiences that you collected from Area 51, uh, I mean, the time control technology, whether it exists, who controls it, are we altering time, how that works. It's just stuff that we can't nutshell. And I really like to stretch out with that. But as far as what we've done tonight, I mean, is there is there a there's there's more? I'm 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 missing <laughs> it right now though. Because we talked well, about okay. We want to talk about. I mean, it's almost to the point now. One of the things that I began to conclude, you know, you've got uh, you've got Elizondo, and they've changed it to you know UAPs now because it's all fancy and it's, you know it sound like a bunch of much of a hillbilly talking about UFOs. I'm not even so sure there any of it's extraterrestrial now. Hmm. Um, I mean, the 22 million the dollars. I mean, let me tell you this: in the in the true black world, and this is what I was made aware of by Ted Humphreys, Doctor Ted Humphreys, not his real name, but the the main character in the saga, going all the way from Montauk, where they were working on the uh, uh, the first waves of teleportation. And this was back. I mean, we were teleporting things or stuff uh, back in the early 60s, and uh, we couldn't figure out how to teleport human beings, and then we figured out pretty much how to do that, how to bounce people around, and that's what the time runner was all about. Because you had to create a, a bubble around the person to protect them from the time stream, but that's a whole other story. But the um I'm not so sure anything's them anymore. Um the primary thing is that you have uh, an agency called the group and the group is what MJ twelve basically became and they only report to um I guess the moneyed wealthy families that they that, that they call uh, uh that they call the council. And that's the only people that they're really, in, you know, and these people go back to the de Medici's and, you know, the old banking families, you know, it's five, 600 years or so with technology. But um, they're to protect us against all threats, foreign and domestic, extraterrestrial and ultra terrestrial, because the biggest threat also is not just ETs out there, but from in here. They're talking about the, the fracturing of dimensions and things invading. It's, it's like if you go back to the Bible, to the book of Enoch, Enoch deals with the sons of God. And when the sons of God fall, um, Yahweh, you know, or whatever you want to call them back then, basically puts a giant fence up around the earth, uh, a huge barrier. And these things have been trying to crack that barrier ever since. And so when we started testing uh, uh, nuclear weapons in New Mexico, 
uh, we were ripping holes in the space-time continuum. Not only were we ripping holes, but we were also knocking the planet off its axis. Which is right, hold, hold on, hold on, uh, hold on. Uh, with it, uh, hold on, Sean. Magnetic polar shift, and then a curve. Hold on, Sean. We we were getting a, a lot of interference, and you're 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 cutting out there. You were you're talking. You said that we were putting a lot of a uh, lot of nuclear uh, testing was going on. We were ripping holes in the space time continuum, and and uh, and then you started breaking up. Well, you, you've got Roswell coming up here pretty soon, and of course, the true story of Roswell was that there we 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 set a trap for these 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 ships were flying around like mosquitoes out there they were just zipping all over the place there's nothing we do to stop them so we set a trap for them we actually put up a something called the rx uh, 47 microwave towers and we we put up these huge microwave grids so that anything that fl flew into it would disrupt the engines of these crafts so we caught three of them actually flying in formation and the first one exploded and crashed into the second ship so the first one that exploded is what created the debris field over mac brazel's ranch the second one then fluttered down and created a big ditch and crashed outside of Corona. And the reason the military was all over it almost right away was because they're the ones that set the trap. They were trying to shoot these things down. Uh, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Philip Corso then in his memoirs before he died said that there was a third ship and this third ship panicked and kind of pulled the panic button, if you will, and that they went through time and they actually crashed uh, 10 years later in approximately the same location. And Corso claims that he met one of the ETs then and use some kind of device to communicate with it and, and let it go. But that was the that was the whole story of, of uh, uh, Roswell, where we got a bunch of technology. I mean, we got uh, we got integrated circuit boards and lasers and, and night vision. I heard we got Velcro too. I'm sorry, what? I heard we got Velcro from the aliens as well. Okay. <laughs> well, I know I'm serious about it. Well, you know that that's uh, that was what July seventh or eighth. Because maybe we can, maybe uh, I'll take a look. at that happening. We're coming up on the 75th anniversary, I think, or some kind of anniversary. Well, we got to talk about that and a few other things. So, timelines, timelines, Russia, all that tonight. That's what we did here. Um, and I, I guess, I guess, uh, going forward, as we're coming up ahead on 2024, a pretty big election right. there, pretty big election this 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 uh, November, and then 2025. You said this is all coming to a head. Uh, any Everything is, every, every every cycle that I can think of, you got a biblical cycle. You've got a, a you know nations only last 250 years. That's coming up. You have a Pluto cycle as well, uh, which is interesting because each time Pluto goes to 27 degrees Capricorn, which is where it is in the chart of the United States, you're going to have a major eruption. You're going to have a war. You're going to have an atomic bomb. You're going to have. So as I said, the next one is going to be August 8th, and as Pluto moves across this point. In the chart of the United States, you can you can you can imagine a, and I think Putin chose the day. I mean, you know, if there's anything, uh, the Russians are good at, uh, it's psychic stuff and astrology. They know all about it, and uh, so I think they picked the February 22nd date to invade Ukraine because of that conjunction of uh, of uh, Pluto and Capricorn. So if Pluto, if Putin knows this, and I know this, uh, and I can predict, you know, almost to the day what actions the Russians are going to take, and quite possibly the Americans as well, because it's going to come... The New World Order wants a fistfight with Vladimir Putin because he's the only person standing in their way, and they were going to use those, I think it was up to 46 uh, biological weapons um, labs. I mean, they were going to use those. I mean, they were going to use those against the Russian people, and he stopped that. And it was... Uh, people don't understand also that Zelensky had said he was going to put nuclear weapons 
right at the edge of, of Russia. This was he made this announcement two days before the Russians said, "Okay, enough is enough." Uh, when they invaded the whole Donbass region, because that's what they want. They want to reannex the area that was Russian and speaks Russian, uh, that the Nazis in the in the Zelensky regime were all oppressing and murdering and committing genocide against. So you know, of course, oh, Putin's the bad guy and it's Putin war and all that other stuff. But you know, they used the same Russian stuff against Trump. They beat him over the head with all those lies for four years, which really, uh, you know, which really handicapped his whole presidency. But it's. it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it comes down. I'm not saying that, you know, I'm a big fan. I'm no big fan of any totalitarian regime. But um, if you look at every single place that Putin has been involved, uh, he stopped the war. He, he stopped a war in Syria. He stopped the civil war. He stopped the, uh, when the United States and Israel attacked Georgia. I mean, in every single case, he's made peace. And uh, he's found a way to, you know, smooth over a situation. So, um yeah, I don't know what else to say about that. Well, uh, uh, what I will say is you you put out an August 8th um, date. We'll see. Maybe we can get you back on sometime around then and uh, and and really just do a, a little bit more of what we could have done tonight because I want to talk about Montauk. Uh, I want to yeah. talk about Area 51. I want to talk about all that stuff. And uh, and for now, Rob, if you don't have anything else, I would love to give you some, some time to let everybody know where they can find your work. And, and thank you for your time, uh, Dr. Thank Morton. You, Thanks. Um, well, once again, Strange Universe Radio. Please just go uh, go there. We also have a uh, we have a full page ad for the books also running in uh, the American Free Bulletin, so you can see all the information there. Uh, I'm trying to get back to doing readings for people because so many people want readings, and I just uh, you know I physically can't do it because of the, the the tumors are attacking my throat. I mean, I was I'm fighting off. You know, a year ago I was I was uh, um, they told me it was terminal and you know, I had uh, stage four. And I managed to use alternative therapies and, and a lot of things. Uh, I mean, I, I had a 13-centimeter tumor. It was this big, hanging out the bottom of my neck. And uh, I managed to basically burn it off using something called DMSO and black salve. And, um, you know, I went for 16 months in prison where they weren't going to give me any medical treatment whatsoever or send me to a hospital because this was all part of their effort. I mean, you know, spent all the time in solitary, was beaten up by these people. Um, you know, for what? For filing papers that they didn't like, you know, <laughs> literally in a case where the judge said, uh, or where the prosecutor said, well, there's no victims and there's no monetary loss to anybody. I'm like, then, then where then I would like right. my accusers on the stand under the Sixth Amendment I said, you can't do that because you're being prosecuted by a pile of paper, which is the corporation they call the United States. So it's, um, you know, they just want to make me look as bad as possible because. Uh, again, for what Art Bell and I did, you know, building an audience of 27 million people. Uh, to do what we're doing, everything that all everything all you people are doing today is because of what we did back in the '90s. And uh, um, you know, I produced I, I produced Sightings, which was the biggest scene show on uh, uh, on Fox at that time. And I was on you know on the beginning of UPN, and I was in, you know on the start of uh, uh, Sci-Fi Channel. We actually started Sci-Fi Channel. And can they, can people read all this on StrangeUniverse.com? Uh, well, that's just background stuff. I mean, oh, that's okay. Boring, but you know, <laughs> but they if they get the books, like I said, right now. Uh, you need to buy the books. You need to. It, it lays everything out. And the next three books, the Time Runner books, Act 1, 2, and 3 are going to be, I mean, they're revolutionary. They, they will tell you everything that's going to go on. And uh, so it'll be interesting to see that. So anyway, Strange Universe Radio, and then you can tune in Monday through Friday at, uh, at 10 o'clock on revolution.radio. I'm going to have uh, Kevin Shaw on as my guest tonight, actually. Oh, wonderful. So 10 p.m., everybody can uh, can, can yeah. find you. And, and, and thank you so much for the, the time here, my friend. It's uh, we. Would love to have you back and to go into if you other want to go stuff. Go into Montauk. Montauk's very interesting because of what was, what was going on there and how they they, uh, 
they pioneered teleportation actually you know they're about 63 64 and how they did it and why they were doing it because we were, we were teleporting uh uh, satellites basically into the heart of Russian nuclear blasts, but once again, the reason we were doing that is because in in explosions, you have a dilation of time, and so we were once again looking at the dilation of time within nuclear explosions, uh, which is how we then learned how to do it ourselves. And then the uh, when the nine ships were then moved into uh, Area 51, <coughs> sorry, that was back in '87. Uh, that's why they that's where they took everything. And of course, again, Bob Lazar came in. And we interviewed him back in uh, God January of 1990. So I think it's funny that 30 years later, people are making a big fuss about him. But uh, and his story has completely changed. He, he put out a book called Dreamland, and it's completely different from the story that he told us uh, uh, personally and in, in interviewing him. It's just very well. Well, 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 we'll definitely have a lot of time to do that because I would love to do Montauk and Philadelphia <laughs> Experiment and and uh you know maybe a little bit on Preston Nichols if you uh, if you ever spoke to him in the past I'm yeah, sure no, you No, I know Preston. Matter of fact, I was very good. I was I was best friends with uh with Al Bielik, <laughs> And uh I supported wow. him the last months of his life. I mean, I was paying for his apartment down in Florida. I I I've <laughs> listened to I listened to a lot of his yeah, interviews. Absolutely. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful interviews. I mean, those are those I, are the I guys, do, those I, are the two I, guys that made me believers in all that stuff. Preston Nichols and Al Bielik. Yeah. Um, was, I, nothing that Al ever told me that I could check actually uh uh, was untrue. I mean, everything that I could check with him, the scientists, the places, the, the whole thing. And, uh, but that was the beginning of, again, the invasion of Earth uh, through other dimensions was through the Nazi bell that they found. It was it was a star drive of a ship that they found in the Black Forest, and it was found by uh, uh, Grubenfuhrer Hans Kammler, <laughs> and they just ripped Swiss cheese out of, the, out of the dimensional vortex. Then the Philadelphia experiment was key because that entire experiment where you had Tesla, you had Einstein, you had John Van Neumann, you had Vannevar Bush, I mean, you have guys who, who founded uh, Raytheon and TRW and you know, all these, these space agencies. But um, um, the Eldridge ripped 20-year holes in the time-space continuum. And again, based on Al Bielek, this is a big prediction that came true, I wrote a newsletter article back in February of 2003 and in February 2003, I told everybody that there was going to be a massive electromagnetic phenomenon that was going to probably result in an overload of the electrical grid. It was going to happen on August 14th of 2003 because every 20 years, the Earth hits a biorhythmic low point, and there's usually always a war uh, or always something. And at that time in 43, when everybody's killing each other in World War II, you have to imagine that the time-space continuum sort of collapsed like an accordion, and then you shoot a bullet through that which was the Eldridge, and then when the accordion, on, uh, you know, it, when you when you relax it, now you've got these big holes in 20-year increments. So lo and behold, um, suddenly the entire East Coast blacks out on October 14th. It's like 4:25 p.m. Yeah, and, I was at uh, Jones Beach and, for that. Yeah, that? yeah, I was at Jones Beach in Long Island for that. Well, and the uh, a, and uh, the local Edison said uh, an overload of the system happened in the blink of an eye. Is yeah. what they said. Yeah, well, yeah um, but it was really coming from a blink from a, a quarter century before that you're saying, or a couple of cent, a couple of. It was coming from 1943. 1943. It was, it was where the Eldridge actually reached the end of its tether, and just went. So when you when it all when it all blinked out on uh, when you were out there on the beach, Rob, that the cause was 1943. Oh. Well, you know what? I I definitely have a lot. We have notes here to put together several new broadcasts coming up. Yay! Yeah, Dr. <laughs> right, Sean. Sean Martin, thank you, thank you so so much for all this. I hope everybody goes checks out your show and your uh, and your website and gets your books. And uh, Rob, if you don't have anything else to say, I, I thank you so much for the time here, sir. 
You, you got a great setup there. It looks like the Starship Enterprise. You look like Sulu, but not quite as gay. <laughs> I know, I know. And he just keeps getting gayer, Sulu. So, but, uh, yeah, no, it's a very cozy room in here. And if you ever come to New York for some godforsaken reason, you can always come by and hang out. I'm usually there uh, twice a year speaking at the, the New Life Expo, Mark Becker's New Life Expo. So, Well, let us know. Let us know. You can come in on a Thursday night. I would love that very much. That would be cool. It's been a real honor, Frank. I've, I've been a big fan of yours for a long time. And I uh, uh, want to thank, you know, Susie Smith for connecting us together. And, uh, yes, so, thank um, you, Susie. And, we'll, we'll, and don't worry, it won't be the last time. And you have yourself a good broadcast tonight. Sean David Morton, thank you for being on. Okay, and let me send you some books, too, okay? Oh, wonderful. Thank you. I'll do that. Thank you. All Thanks, right. Rob in the background there, mysterious Rob. Thank you. Right, <laughs> thank you. God bless. God, God bless. bless you, too. Take care. Sightings was a dope show. Yeah, <laughs> I I, uh, I I knew it existed. I just never watched it. Yeah. Oh, that was I was big on that. I'm actually wearing a Montauk hat right now, so I don't want anybody. Oh, to I didn't even it. notice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Montauk, the end. It says on there because I wear it because it's got an American flag, and it's when Krista and I were there last time. But growing up, I was always in Montauk because my father's a fisherman, and we would he would just we would wake up. He would like wake me up like you know. 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning. Like, yeah, we're going to Montauk. Let's go. We're going fishing. And we would just go and stay for the day. I'd be like, oh, you know, I always went to Montauk. People were like, well, where'd you stay? Like, stay. <laughs> we just drove there and just drove, drove home. You know, and just fish. So, um, but interesting that I, there was always strange stuff. I remember one day a whale shark just washed onto the shore when we were there. Um, I, um... I, I gotta say, I did not know what we were going to get out of tonight's show, but there's so much information. Yeah. And and he has so many decades in the game, and mm -hmm. to be on on first name basis with all of those 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 people yeah. that we grew up listening to and reading about. I don't know, man. I really enjoyed tonight. And Absolutely. It definitely is not a complete experience. We got to talk to him more. For sure, for sure. And in you know, like what he was saying is that well. You know, the timelines aren't exactly 100%. Certain things can be changed and moved when he was talking about the wave and the meet it with the incoming wave. And it's it seems like what he's saying is like, you know, he's like shows like yours and stuff that he was doing is the, the awareness and the consciousness is like the antidote to certain things. So uh, that's good. So we should just keep uh, keep it up. And I think there might be uh, that stirs certain things and, you know, maybe a little help from from up above. That'd be great. And I don't mean aliens. No, I don't. No, I, <laughs> I don't mean anything like that. <laughs> no, I can't I wait to get to get into the the uh, the interdimensional Swiss yeah. cheese uh, conversations. Because that, that, I mean, Montauk was the continuation of Philadelphia. Yeah. And that's huge stuff I want to learn about the Nazi bell and uh, I'm glad that, that you yeah black Forest, and you've I'm sure you've heard certain various conspiracy things with the black forest um, even just what goes on there supposedly um, which is not not good I know <laughs> stuff that I, you know what I'm alluding to as far as games and yeah these things so I don't know I think we're we're, we're close to certain things like I said <laughs> it's funny it was like uh you know, like eBay, you could get like anything now, right? And so there was this one, my, my favorite shirt when I was a kid, it was the Montauk Lighthouse. And it was a great white shark, which would have, I guess by scale would have been like a 400 foot great white shark. 
jumping out of the water and biting the Montauk lighthouse in half. It said, Montauk is never dull. So I've been trying to, Krista was trying to find it for me for Christmas and everything, but it can't be, can't be found. Had to be like, you know, produced in the mid 80s out in yeah. Montauk. It's a ringer shirt, but uh, Montauk is never dull. So that always resonated with me. It was my favorite shirt that I had. Well, dude, you know, I, I was listening to, I think it was maybe like two weeks ago, I was actually listening to an interview with Preston Nichols mm -hmm. about Montauk. And when he was describing the technology and the kind of the kind of power that they were pumping through there to be able to do certain things, I mean, we're talking about, yeah, teleportation and whatever, but the, the use of the Montauk chair, and not only that, about the being able to pull objects from a person's consciousness mm -hmm. where uh, he said that it, it got a little bit uh, tricky once objects became more um, more complex but as far as you know inanimate objects blocks spheres things mm -hmm. like that they can actually be pulled from a person's consciousness uh, memories and thoughts can be injected into somebody but this was also where this the story about the monster being released from right. the, in in the laboratory and, and running amok Came like Stranger from. Things, right? Exactly. Yeah, I, mean, I, I didn't believe it or not. I've never. I've just seen the one episode. That was it. I watched Stranger. The one episode the first year, with the when the monster comes. And I guess there was the whole thing was the build up to this. So I, I that's the only thing I saw. And I was like, uh, this, this doesn't look too good. <laughs> it, it, it is though. Yeah, but it, it like it, I mean, you would think I would love something like that, and especially with I'm just saying my connection to my and I know it takes place in. Midwest, right? Yeah. But I know that it's based off of Montauk. Now, based off of Montauk, I think you'd like it just for the um, just for the, the, the callbacks to the 80s and all course, that stuff, yeah. too. <laughs> no, it's good. Yeah. Oh, and you know the other thing? I know that you don't watch movies anymore since no. Star Wars. No. but um, Movies are over. I know, but, but if you're ever home or if you could project it onto a wall so you can see a, a bigger screen, get some good... Or if you ever go to T's, T's place to hang out there... Mm -hmm. Maybe that's what we should do in a couple of months when it comes on DVD. You have got to see the new Top Gun. Dude. <laughs> yeah. You, you, no, no, no. Yeah, no. I, I could see it. I just can't go to a theater and pay for it. I know. That's the rule. But you, you've got to see it. Okay. I walked out. I said, uh, you know, we were all just talking amongst ourselves about, you know, what we loved and all that shit. And I said, you know, Rob's going to love this one. But okay. he, obviously he has to see it someplace. Yeah. <laughs> rules are rules. <laughs> best, to best Tom Cruise movie ever or what? Is I, it? I think so. It's better than Legend. Oh, I I, I don't I I actually never seen Legend. Oh come on, I never seen it. You haven't seen Legend? No. That but dude, this awesome. was I I can you tell haven't you, seen Legend. I've seen I haven't seen Legend, but I've seen a lot of movies. And I know I can tell that's what you. I'm saying. How could you have not seen Legend? Well, I'll go check it out for real. But I will say this: that I had more. I had so much fun. I haven't had that much fun in a movie theater in many years. Everybody's saying the same thing. With Top Gun. Yeah. Everybody's saying that it's like, you know, because it's like that relief from all the woke nonsense yeah. that you're just inundated with. But I love I love the, the honoring of the past without apologizing for it. Um, you know, there is just, there's nothing to complain about. I, 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 unless you're on the other, the crazy cult side of things and you complain about everything. Yeah. Well. I'm not going to go to a... Um, an intermission because we have to do the super chats and then I have to do the badass of the night which I said I think you're going to like and it's going to inspire some conversation along the way um, let's go to let's go to tip a stream quite frankly superchat.com hello kitty SKS says just wanted to say hi hope you ha uh, you and yours have a great July 4th same to you kitty thank you Rick from Tulsa 
He says, Frank, great job on TimCast. Regarding Utah County, look up uh, Jenny Marie Hatch. She's mm-hmm. on the beat, the beat of it and would be a great guest to have on the Discuss the Case and then gave me her substack. I will check yeah, that out. Yeah, that's, that's a word, you know, <laughs> a warning caveat with that as well because uh, that's some stuff that you cannot, you know, the that's only for a certain mentality that, that can, it, it's the most diabolical stuff. You know, because there was, as when we that was brought to our attention by the Zell brothers, that that was going on in our neighborhood, literally our neighborhood, right? And so that that was who I went to see, that, you know, her stuff that she put out there to read the reports. Now I couldn't get through everything because it was just you can't, you can't. It's so I, I, horrific. I, I went through a couple of pages in my stomach. Yeah, so too much. The thing is, is that the stuff in art, like I mean. I was literally, I mean, I had football practice there in that park where the house is at that time. Now, the names are redacted and the the age is redacted, but you can tell and infer that these are kids that are the same age as me. So, 87, 88, 89, those three years, that was our football practice was there. And then, you know, two years you pa- after that, you pl- practice. But that was midget football. That's right. So, I mean, just to think that while I'm there, that house is there, and then you see this report. There's of, a nightmare going on inside. A, a horrific, horrific nightmare. I mean, so, yeah, what, what's out there that what that woman is collected, and she put the stuff there. But that's... Uh, that's not for everybody and even people that can read some of that it's you have to walk away from that because and like i said the only reason i got to the point where i just was going looking at stuff just just specifically for how it's in our neighborhood literally i mean it was right there (laughs) see that's and then that's you know that's the the horrors of the rabbit hole sometimes yeah sometimes it's just you know you, you look into the abyss and the abyss looks back right that type of thing MLG says Tim and crew have very surface level conversations. Anytime anyone tries to go deeper, Tim quickly changes subject, either afraid to annoy YouTube gods or just cannot think on that level. Uh, It is what makes you and the Franklies special, says MLG. I appreciate that. Um, uh, Yeah, well, I I appreciate that. Uh, Let's see. What else do we have? Rockfin. Todd Fife says, Ian is like Baba Booey. I enjoy him most of the time. <laughs> I, again, maybe, I don't know. It's, he just seemed like a genuine person to me. He is, definitely. Yeah, like so, and, th- and that's where I was, you know, that's, I think that's good. I think people should be authentic. No matter who you are, you should be authentic and true to yourself. Selling the Farm says, thanks, you guys, for the show. Uh, it is a place I always go to to chill for my evening. That's a wonderful Wonderful compliment. I want everybody to hang out and have a good time. Donkey Punch on on Foxhole says, "Great job on Tim's show, and maybe you can get to know Ian better." I yeah, we're talking a lot about Ian tonight for sure. <laughs> I, I told I was, you it's that's really the Ian show. Over hey, there. I I told them all. I told and I was very very, um, uh, very. Uh, genuine about everything. I was grateful to be there. Grateful to get to know everybody. I think that. Uh, I think that it was a, a good time, and I was very genuinely inviting everybody there. Anytime you're in New York, come by. Love, would love to host you all. But, um, but yeah, Donkey Punches Frank, 
you're the best at what you do. Don't worry. It's going to work out just fine. Oh, it's already worked out. And I appreciate the compliment, seriously. But it's already worked out. No matter what happens, if this is where it ends and this is where it stays, I, I'm, I'm beyond blessed. And I can go into all the reasons why because it's not just about the ability to to um, support myself and a family. It's it's so much more than that. I'm beyond blessed. So, uh, and I'm fine with taking little baby steps and and uh, and uh, and etching this out little by little. Totally fine with it because it's been it's been a wonderful ride. Uh, Paulie nine three six three says Tai Chi Rob Taekwondo patterns real slow. What? No snap. Tai Chi, Rob, Taekwondo patterns real slow. No snap. I guess, yeah, I guess that's what he's saying is that uh, the tai-, tai Chi form itself is, I mean, look, the way it's, it was explained to me, Tai Chi, Kung Fu, w- whatever. It's like Frank, Rob. It's just like your name. That's it. I mean, it's all the same. You could differentiate certain principles because you have your your body, and of course, yeah, I mean, different things accent different things, but it's the person that's studying is what matters. What style is the best? Well, then just let's do the best one. Well, what are we going to play games for? No, it's the person that, that matters. Um, and so, yeah, I'm sure if, if you're saying Taekwondo, I've seen this absolutely without snapping and... Personally, when I Tai Chi, I see a lot of Tai Chi where they express that, you know, punching, whatever, a little, that's, that's fine. Um, but because I study, so, you know, various different things, I, 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 for, I, when I do Tai Chi, I, wanna, I want that still in the stage where I just need to strip away energy because I'm still too... <laughs> Wound up? Yeah, even still, you know what I mean? So maybe in another well, everybody know 30 about, years of practice. Remind everybody about your, your classes and what's going on Saturday and how they can they sign up. Uh, by the way, Kung Fu Channel, uh, KungFuChannel.com uh, is on the affiliates page. So go and contact Rob and become part of those those wonderful classes. But, but let them know what the, uh, the schedule is. KungFuChannel.com, doing just a Qigong class, basic Qigong class. Um... You know, Saturday mornings, 10 a.m. Eastern, Wednesdays, uh, 6 p.m. Eastern. It's live via Zoom. But if you can't make those times, I record the class, and you can take it whenever you like. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's good, healthy. So we, we learn some concepts, and, you know, when people are coming in, and, you know, I say, hey, look, get something that, that resonates here and just apply it, how it goes. It's just, it's just a method. You know, it's it's like I said, it's the the foundation, building block, basic level stuff. But <laughs> you'd be surprised. Yeah. Something's a basic. It's never. <laughs> I was telling you today when we were practicing that the grandmaster of Fu Jiao Pai, which is the Kung Fu system that I study, is a le- you know people always say, well, my guy, this this he's the legend. Okay, like I said, I walk down the street in Chinatown in Manhattan, and I have the insignia on, and people are like, great hero. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, like he's the real deal. He in his book, which is on my website by the way, link to his book, they Shaolin Temple, which is certainly a commercial whatever whatever. They made a thing for like they they made an a, an inscription specifically for him as like this great person in that's propagated the art or whatever. He didn't even go into the temple. He took a picture next to the thing. I was like, yeah, I'm I'm going to go over here when he was on tour. But um yeah, he, he has mentioned about like i was saying to you today 
ah, like this, this one Tai Chi sword form, which he took from the lady who did the 2008, uh, you know, opening ceremonies in Beijing, the there coordinator of that. There he is. That's me and, and There's the man. Grandmaster. Hilarious man, by the way. Hysterical. Awesome. Awesome. Awesome dude. Um, but he was talking about the Tai Chi form, sword form that, you know, that they had exchanged and shared ideas with. And he's like, yeah, I've been working on it. This is what he told me just last week. So I've been, I've been modifying it, perfecting it the past 17 years. This is a man who is, like I said, he's He's the man. 17 years I've been going with it. It's still missing something. <laughs> still not good. I mean, and this guy is like, I mean, even like back in the 70s, they were writing articles about his greatness and everything. And his book, A Tiger Looks Back, you can see the English version is hilarious. P put it this way. Uh, I, I think it would tr <laughs> it'll trigger people no matter what side of the uh, <laughs> equation you're on. You have to be able to uh, handle certain things. I mean, because intrigue, I mean, straight up, like th there's political ramifications to this stuff. Um, and as I've mentioned before, my teacher, that's my, that would, that's my teacher's teacher. My teacher passed away. Uh, Sifu, you got to meet him. Mm. Great, great person. Um, him and I have had many conversations about when he was in China and his feelings towards the Communist Party. <laughs> he was definitely, definitely not um, pro-communist at all, as he had to live through the uh, Cultural Revolution. And uh, his family was a hardworking family that was trying to make better and had stuff just totally taken from them. So, you know, very much, <laughs> very much in line. But then with them over here in, in New York City's Chinatown, there was all types of stuff. I mean, the, the book's incredible. Chinese Freemasons and <laughs> all I that. I, want, I definitely want to read it there, too. KungFuChannel.com, do that. Yeah. But, but, you know, speaking of that, it's just speaking of, uh, speaking of Qigong and, um, and, and 17 years and still missing something. That's another reason why when, when people, and, and, you know, all with best intentions, say, don't worry, Frank, you'll make it. Yeah. Like, no, I've, I'm just here. That's what you know, I, there's no finish line to this. There's no, if you haven't 17 years and you're still tinkering with something, there's yeah. not a finish line. You're just in it. Yeah, and that's what I was, exactly what I was saying in the beginning, in the opening. It's a craft. You are, this is, this is a craft. And when you're doing that, and it's an art, and then when that's it, then it's, it's limitless. Because there's always this uh, refinement. So that's why I say, yeah. you know, I, I only do the basics. <laughs> yeah, the that's basics. It. That just the basic. You know. You'll be well... Uh, I started practicing in well a long time ago, and it's still <laughs> still learning the... Uh, well, all advanced stuff is just basics layered on top of each other, right? Basics, so yeah, just, basics just another keep you well occupied, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's just another building block. That's all. Uh, let me see here. Uh, Central1234, thank you for the cookie. Trick Pony, thank you. Tom Fords is a great guest tonight. Please have him back on. Oh, he'll come back for sure. I'll make sure that we... I'll see what, what we have going on for uh, some more Thursdays, maybe a little bit later in middle of July or something. I'd love to have him back in at least a couple of weeks. Yeah, we got to get that energy for August 8th if we're looking at a I, well, node. When the hell is... Okay, August 8th of this year is a Monday. We can have him on uh, Thursday, August 4th, or do we want to have him on Thursday, August 11th afterwards to talk about the 8th? 
Well, no. I mean, if it's going to be cataclysm, we got to like we got to do our role. <laughs> We're right. here to change the world. All right, so we'll, we'll get them on for mid mid July. Mid July, end of July, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then maybe right before. Well, I think maybe the the end of July will will take us through. Right. Okay. <laughs> we did our part. Let's see here. Uh, thank you, Tangerine26. This was awesome. Uh, uh, Rise Attire says, "Wow, hope all the Timcast peeps came to check your sh uh, came to check your show out. Get their little beanies blown 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 off." Well, I, I hope, I, as I said there at, that night, and uh, if I ever go back, I'll I'll say it again. This could be a perfect pre-show mm -hmm. to your uh, to the eight o'clock excursion with uh, with Tim. Yeah, and I guess you got to give him the credit. Though. That is gracious. To, I mean, a yeah, rival, right? Like it's a rival. It's essentially it's the internet. Everybody's on at the same time. Yeah, that's what you know. It's just one of those uh. things. And, and the good thing about it, it is is that whereas if we're talking about if there was a um, if we're talking about competing radio time slots or something like that back 30 years ago, that's where you're a little bit left out in the cold. Because right, somebody you can always watch now at any time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can just stack your, your days up. Most, first of all, my, um, my mailman saw me today, and he was oh, so yeah. happy. He gave me... Because you shouted him out on the yeah, thing. He See, gave me a bottle I mean. of something. That's, that's, the, that's the difference. You know he, what I mean? The human element. That's... I... I I, I think that, um, yeah, I think that this show is good, <laughs> to sum it up succinctly. Mike, I, think, I think your show is good, and uh, it, brings, it brings people together, and it's important on many levels. On the, for the mailman, and he hooked you up with a bottle of... Uh, I don't know yet. But okay. He gave me a card. He said, quite frankly, and he had put a bottle of uh, something there. It's probably some wine. He said, he said, Frank, I can't tell you how. Uh, that, that was just like... Uh, it was amazing, man. He said, I, I've, I've clipped that out. I've said that to friends of mine. Awesome. I, and, uh, so I said, well, hey, there you go. Mike the Mailman got a shout out <laughs> to, <laughs> to God knows how many people. Um, but yeah, uh, let's just, let's, let's keep it up because it's just, it feels too good to do shit like this. Um, Rise Attire says, wow. Okay, we did that. Thank you again, Rise. Anita BJ says, how did Rob know to wear that hat? Synchronicity. Synchronicity. That's how it plays out. Uh, uh, Rise, Rise, Risen Patriot says, shout out to all the Franklies from the Def Leppard concert in Nashville. <laughs> Rock on everyone. Nice. <laughs> Enjoy yourself out there. The, the Def Leppard and, and Poison and Joan Jett and Molly yeah. Crew as well. Yeah, it's a big, it's a big, it's a big show. They're going all over the place. Yeah, I, I'm sure. I've been hearing reports that it's, uh, you know, from Hair Nation. People are, are saying that it's pretty good, that the, the bands are sound, sound good. Right. I told you when I was, uh, was in the car and I, I heard like a Def Leppard, they were playing a small show and they, they kept putting it on the satellite radio, but they sounded good. Like I was like, all right. You know, because uh, as I am a, uh, my first uh, favorite band was Guns N' Roses. And so, you know, I mean, I got to see them. I got to see uh, a great, great level live, um, but the but now it's just you know, it's tough. The thing is though, <laughs> you know, it wasn't that long ago he did he stepped in and did ACDC. Right. It was awesome. Like it was like I mean that was awesome. You just don't know what people's personal habits are though. I mean you don't, I don't know. I mean he. You just don't, I don't know. know. I yeah. But, or, or, you know, maybe there's injury or something. I don't know. Injury, age. I mean, yeah, you, yeah. I mean, it's tough. 
You have to. It, it takes. All, and you know, here's the other thing there too. I'll and I was talking about this with Anthony during a time, you know, not too long ago, where uh, you know we were we were getting ready, and he was having a little uh, having a little trouble, you know, just getting his voice in shape in a quick manner. And I reminded him. I said, you know, Ant, you are 35 years old now. Hmm. You have to understand that for all things. Yeah. For all things, you have to work exceptionally harder mm -hmm. to maintain and especially make gains at this point. Yeah. Um, and you also have to give yourself a little bit of a, uh, a pat on the back as a vocalist because it, it's rough. You know, I can I can break some sticks. I can I have to replace some cymbals. I whatever the hell it is. When your instrument is your voice mm -hmm. and you're talking about this small little collection of tissue. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, it's because uh, it, I wonder. I mean, I wonder if the, the doing the ACDC because he did it well. I mean, it, I mean, and that's like I mean, I'm not a singer, but I'm sure that rasp to do Brian Johnson and even the Bon Scott songs. I mean, that's no joke. Yeah, there's right? ways. There's ways to preserve your voice in doing the rasp. Rasp, but like again, he we're talking about people in their fifties, sixties, sixty years old. Yeah, yeah it's it's no joke, but. You know, I, I know. I mean, a lot of the stuff because I just saw something like you know, just just yeah, from from just recent. You know, they were over in in Prague or whatever, and it's just like, you know, it's tough. You ever hear Phil and Selmo these days? Phil and Selmo when he talks, I haven't heard him sing. When he talks, he sounds like a, a foghorn. Really? That's how low the old man Yeah. But he he's been he's been pulling himself together. I saw a. Um, I saw a live performance he did with Down hmm. at uh, some. There's tens of thousands of people. I think they were. They might have been in Europe, but I saw a live performance recently that he did with Down, and um, I I, I thought it, he sounded great. Yeah. I mean, for for what he's doing, uh, it sounded sounds great <laughs> for where he's been in his life. For I where mean, he's been. Talk about somebody who's authentic. His interviews are incredible. I would love to have him on this show. His interviews are just like you know that's somebody that's you know, he's lived a life for sure. But, um, you know, a lot of respect for uh, his honesty. Um, okay, last one here is Siege. says, guest mentioned Freedom Fighters being arrested at the end of 2016. Would love to know who they are and why. Well, he, me he mentioned a couple, but I'll make sure I write this names, down. Yeah. I'll make sure I'll write some of that down for next time. We have so much to cover with him next time. Um, let me just make sure one more time. That I got everybody. Uh, yes, I did. All right. So, who is the badass tonight? We're gonna roll over nine o'clock. That's for sure. But who the hell is it? Let's do it. It's the last one of June 2022. Again, we will see you next June with another badass month. But who is it tonight? That's some badass shit. It's pretty badass. Yes, indeed, indeed, it is. Now, Wilhelmur. Stefansson. That's his name. In 1928, Rob, you're going to love this. In 1928, Wilhelmer Stefansson ate nothing but meat and water for an entire year. And what happened was astounding. Listen to this. Stefansson was a famous Arctic explorer whose expeditions are beyond legendary. He lived with the Inuit and learned to eat and thrive off their native Arctic foods. In 1928, Stephenson determined that he was ready for his next challenge. No, his, this challenge would not be another overseas voyage, but rather a challenge that he would complete right in New York City. He decided he would eat nothing but meat and water for an entire year. 
Stephenson wanted to prove effectiveness of the Inuit diet that he watched the indigenous population consume for years. He watched them consume a primary meat and fish diet that consisted of seals, whale, caribou, waterfowl, with very limited vegetable consumption. By conventional measures, the Inuit had no business being healthy. They spent months in the darkness of winter, unable to hunt or do real work. However, Stephenson observed that they were the healthiest people he had ever seen. He saw virtually no obesity or disease. Stephenson believed that the high saturated fat content of the Inuit diet, 70 to 80 percent of total Inuit calories came from fat, was the mechanism allowing these people to thrive. Stephenson observed that fat was the most precious dietary input to every Inuit he observed. Upon hunting a caribou, the Inuit would savor the fat deposits behind the eye and jaw, in addition to the organs and shoulder. The leaner parts were fed to the dogs. Damn. Uh, This contrasted the nutritional narrative that individuals like John Harvey Kellogg were pushing at the time. Uh, I talked about this with Jay Jay Gulinello, how, you know, Kellogg's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cornflakes were supposed to get you to stop masturbating. Yeah. Watch the movie The Road to Wellville. Okay. So here you go. He says that religious fanatics like Kellogg believed that raw vegetables and grains were virtuous and meat and saturated fats were sinful. Um, Western doctors also believe the Inuit diet to be vitamin deficient and dangerous. Stephenson saw a different perspective, as the Inuit population he observed was utterly thriving. He also realized that the oils, livers, and fish offered essential nutrients. In addition, Stephenson himself ate a native Inuit diet for years, starting in 1906, when his food supplies failed to show up during his voyage that year. He couldn't believe how good he felt on their Arctic diet that consisted of fish, meat, and saturated fat. To properly monitor his carnivore experiment, Stephenson checked himself into New York's Bellevue Hospital with a fellow explorer. They spent multiple weeks receiving blood tests and had various blood biomarkers checked. After the control period ended, their staple staple foods they consumed were very simple. They ate steak, roast beef, brains, tongue, calf liver once per week to prevent scurvy, um, and were committed to doing this for an entire calendar year. Newspapers, periodicals, and various doctors condemned Stephenson's experiment as dangerous. They insisted that the men would get scurvy or even potentially die. Stephenson divided all critics and insisted that all, that all meat diet filled him with ambition and energy. Upon examining the two men during their year-long experiment, the doctors reported that neither man showed elevated brother, blood pressure or kidney troubles that were expected of a carnivore diet. Stephenson became ill only once during the year, and this, and this is when the experimenters had him cut out fat from his meat and, uh, and uh, eat leaner cuts. This illness was quickly corrected by a meal of sirloin steak and brains cooked in bacon fat. His symptoms immediately improved. <laughs> Dude, shit. Here's the last piece. The men also ensured that they did not contract scurvy because they were intentional about eating the entire animal, including the bones, organs, and brain. At the end of the year, both men reported that they felt fantastic and were in amazing health. Um, So the experimenters reported on their health. Here it is. Both men were in good physical condition at the end of the observation. There were no subjective or objective evidences of any loss of physical or mental vigor. The teeth showed no deterioration and gingivitis had disappeared. There was, however, an increase in deposits of tartar on teeth, 
of uh, V's, V.S. bowel elimination was undisturbed. Um, required no extra catharsis, and K.A. was regular throughout. So they weren't even backed up. <laughs> so what do you think about that, Rob? Absolutely. I mean, uh, you know that I, I like the, the self-healers protocol. If one could check that out, maybe not for everybody, because it definitely flies in the face of conventional wisdom. Um, but that diet is uh, similar to that. And, uh, you know, the, the guy who came up with that is saying that, no, the vegetables are actually toxic uh, to us. And pretty much everything is toxic to us. Uh, but, you know, that, that whole thing is uh, that diet and, uh, you know, distilled seawater or just sea salt and in water will help uh, with the cleanse and actual hydration of the body, which people think is not the case. And you know, they talk about blood pressure and everything, but that's just because it gets your body gets detoxing with that. So, I, yeah, absolutely. Um, fat, that type of fat is good. The fat that is this bullshit fake food, Franken food, is yeah. similar to what Sean was talking about. How we're poisoned, and that that is not. No, that's that's killing us. I just got a text message from Jay Gulinella right now. Oh, yeah? He's going to be on tomorrow night. We're going to nice. be talking about barbecue nutrition. Like, okay. Because it's barbecue season. Hmm. If you got nothing coming on, going on, come by. I, I, it's going to be a short show because I have to do the last... Um, the last uh, book club mm -hmm. session tomorrow night, but it still should be great. Um, Jay says, great badass, Frank. I studied Stephenson in school. Blew up dietary dogma. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I, hey, listen, how many times have they told us, so cut all the fat off the meat? Yeah. Cut, you know? I go yeah. for that first, man. That just, oh. I know. It's fantastic. I know. I do now, too. You better leave that damn thing on. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, well, that's it. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for all the, uh, all the, 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 company tonight tomorrow is another night seven o'clock we will be here i hope that you are here as well and rob thank you for uh, for chilling out man thank you all right well with that being said i will uh catch you guys on the flippity flop see you later i'll catch you on the flip side Quite frankly, is filmed before a live studio audience. And now our super chatter, starting with Hello Kitty SKS, Rick from Tulsa, MLG, American Beaner. And uh, I want to thank everybody on Foxhole. I just released the scratching. Thank you to everyone else. We will see you tomorrow. Don't be late. Take him away. I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife. <laughs>